Real Talk is presented weekday mornings right here at RyanJesperson.com by our friends at Bitcoin Well. Now, you can check out all of our sponsors online. Just look for the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Bitcoin Well is looking to a big 2021. They're going public. Bitcoin's booming. And they're the safest and easiest way to buy and sell Bitcoin. Are you in on the Bitcoin game yet? Always curious to hear from people on this one. We're going to learn more about Bitcoin cryptocurrency coming up in the year to come. And Bitcoin Well is going to help us sort through it. The presenting sponsor of Real Talk. Real Talk starts now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, aloha and good morning. My fellow Albertans, I'm not sure I've ever seen you this angry. Some of you are insulted. You're insulted and you've been stewing for days. Your entire New Year's Eve into New Year's Day weekend, the transition from a shit year, 2020, into the promise of 2021 has been interrupted. It's been overshadowed. It's been dominated by conversation around the story that is leading the headlines in Canada. Uh, People are paying attention to it around the world. Of course, I'm talking about the unmitigated disaster, the scandal plaguing Jason Kenney's United Conservative government following revelations that a number of his ministers, MLAs, press secretaries, his chief of staff, and other staffers ignored provincial travel directives to head off to sunny locales through the holiday break. Some of you are feeling betrayed. Some of you are Kenny folk. You've had the bumper stickers. You've had the lawn signs. You fought the good fight. You knocked on doors. You donated. You got your friends to donate. You've taken some friendly fire from your inner circle that's been critical of some of the things around this government, and you have defended this government without fail. And now you feel stupid. Some of you are infuriated. I mean, some of you have seen this coming from a mile away. Some of you, like I said over the weekend, have been banging your hands on the table for years saying, Jason Kenney is who we thought he was. When Jason Kenney, by way of his actions, told us who he was years ago, we believed him. And you've seen it coming from a mile away. Now, many of you have made sacrifices. You've forgotten about your family traditions over the past number of weeks and months. Some of you have lost family members to this pandemic. And you've lost them through glass. Your final visits through windows. Your final words to them, their final words on planet Earth over FaceTime. You've mourned their loss over Zoom. You haven't gathered, let alone hugged. And now you're finding out that a bunch of politicians... Many of them, the majority of them that we're hearing about here in Canada from Alberta's own United Conservative government didn't seem to give a damn about obvious, clearly stated, long-standing travel advisories, advisories against interprovincial 
and international travel. Many of you that are watching this morning, that will be listening to this podcast later in the day or in days and weeks to come, are proud Alberta conservatives. And this is not your party. This performance, this betrayal, falls well below the standards that you have set for your political representatives. And you've reminded your political representatives in past what happens when they piss you off like this. Everybody is talking about this. My messages... My inbox, our Real Talk inbox, talk at ryanjesperson.com, is chock full. Frankly, we haven't had time to read all the emails that we've been receiving. My mentions on Twitter are out of control. I can only imagine what Jason Kenny's inbox, what Jason Kenny's mentions must look like. What Tracy Allard's mentions must look like we are talking about an absolute tire fire we are talking about legitimate political scandal we are talking about as one columnist said over the weekend easily the worst day new year's day of jason kenney's political career if anybody in your circle is trying to convince you that this is much ado about nothing, that this is a bunch of dippers making a bunch of noise, that this is a bunch of over-caffeinated lefties overreacting, making political hay, remind them that the Washington Post is talking about how Alberta's premier refuses to punish government officials for their pandemic trips. The Pope over the past couple of days, has condemned people who have been traveling abroad through the holidays, serving themselves and their own interests over the interests and safety of others. This, my friends, this type of political performance, these double standards, this hypocrisy, is not how you establish credibility nor inspire international confidence. This is not how you attract investment. These are the worst kind of headlines reserved for the worst political disasters. I'm going to be sharing more of my thoughts through the show today. We're going to, we're going to break down what Premier Kenny had to say on January 1st. We, we expect, we're hearing rumblings today you're listening to us on Monday, January 4th. A happy new year to you, by the way. Rumblings that Tracy Allard will resign today as Minister of Municipal Affairs. We don't know what's to come. We're still just learning of more and more politicians that were out of country over the break. As a matter of fact, there are a few that are still gone. One in particular, Fort McMurray's MLA. They don't know. The government admits they don't even know where he is. They admit they're trying to get in touch with him. Let's take a look at how this all began. This, this tweet set the tone in sort of a chef's kiss kind of a way. And if people weren't so furious, we might have more of a laugh about it. This scheduled tweet, it has to be a scheduled tweet. Because if it's not, it's the most arrogant thing I've ever seen. It's the most obtuse thing I've ever seen. But this is what we saw from the Alberta government 
on December 31st. Farewell 2020 with a beachscape in the background. As a matter of fact, that kind of looks like Slave Lake's MLA Pat Rain from behind. (laughs) I wonder if he posted that from the Your Alberta account. I don't know. Just a few hours into this thing, on New Year's Day, you started to reach out to me and you started to send me your messages and you know that you will have a voice here on Real Talk and we will give you that platform today and in the days and weeks and months to come because these are the types of things you end up talking about for a while. Let's take a look at how some of you are responding to this story. This is what you've been telling us over the weekend. Here are some of your comments. Dr. Sandy Dong is a medical doctor here in the province of Alberta, says none of my emergency department colleagues in Edmonton have received the vaccine. They stepped up to cover my shifts over the holiday week. Not not because Dr. Dong was going to uh, Hawaii, but because he's recovering from COVID-19. It says hundreds of Albertans have fallen to this virus and the minister responsible for vaccine rollout was in Hawaii? Charles Rusnell is an investigative reporter with the CBC. Thank God for the work the CBC has been doing on this story. Hey, thank God for the for for what Michelle Rempel called the predatory CBC. Without their work, we wouldn't know about this. Charles says uh, after Jason Kenney addressed Albertans in what was probably the worst political performance of his career. Charles says that was that wasn't the most brazen political performance I've witnessed in Alberta. He said Ralph Klein refusing to resign after denigrating a homeless man at a shelter and throwing money at them tops that list. Okay, so maybe maybe this was the second most brave and brazen political performance that Charles Rusnell has seen through his storied career. Let's take a look at what else you're saying. Jeremy Klazas, publisher of The Sprawl, says, you know, you can try and make sense, but this is after Kenny spoke. But that was a whole bunch of nonsensical gaslighting from Jason Kenny, trying to obfuscate, trying to trying to muddy the waters over what has been 100 percent clear for months to most everyone. He's trying to confuse what is straightforward. He takes Albertans for dim witted rubes. Andrew Curiata says, you know, Canadian politicians really doing their best to undermine the idea that we're all in this together and we all need to make sacrifices, huh? Brian McLean's a, a, a business leader. He's in the grocery game. He says, there's no doubt that Jason Kenney knew about his, and more on this in a minute. I mean, that to me is just, boy, does it take stones to look into a camera to look into the eyes of four and a half million Albertans and claim you didn't know your chief of staff was in the UK. You didn't know your minister of municipal affairs was in Hawaii after having virtual cabinet meetings with her. Brian goes on to say the fact his cabinet felt comfortable enough to do this speaks to his weaknesses as a leader more than anything. He can't control his staff. Brian Mason, former government house leader for the NDP, former leader of the NDP and obviously a a senior minister in Rachel Notley's government, says any minister who's out of the province is covered by another minister. The premier's office, the bureaucracy ensures it. Papers are signed. It's all very official, says Brian Mason. If Jason Kenney says he didn't know that Tracy Allard was in Hawaii, he's lying. Justin McElroy, a reporter out of Vancouver, says the pandemic often reveals the character of public officials at a very core level in a way that most of politics doesn't and while it can be infuriating it can also be clarifying darren marklin's an icu doc he's a doctor in intensive care at the royal alexander hospital in edmonton he says there's a rising discord there's rage and it is nonpartisan. 
this provincial government that was founded on falsehoods, who sneered at those who elected it and derided those who advised it, has squandered the sacrifices of its hardest working citizens from their vacation homes. Andrew Knack, Edmonton City Councilor. I don't understand why the premier should have to issue a formal mandate to staff and MLAs. He says, look at the provincial website. He says, the way I interpret it, non-essential travel outside Canada should not happen until the advisories lifted. Lisa Holmes is the former mayor of Morinville, former president of the AUMA, Alberta Urban Municipalities Association, says if, a, if an elected official doesn't understand that the moment they were elected into a leadership role as a lawmaker and a decision maker over a populace that they're held to a higher standard than and by those that they govern, they should not be in office. That from former Mayor Lisa Holmes. This from Elizabeth Henderson. I'm beyond angry, she says. My mom died today, and we can't gather. Not in Hawaii, not anywhere. This is unforgivable. And how about this? As a palliative care physician, says Dr. Babbitts, the reason I'm so mad about the United Conservative Party's travel is because I had patients dying on their last Christmas, their final Christmas, that were unable to see family because of an outbreak. You want to talk about breaking Christmas traditions? How about never seeing a loved one again because you're following public health guidelines? The privilege, says Dr. Babbitts. The privilege is just too much for me today, so I can't read the news anymore, she says. The executive director of, well, it's tough to keep track of all the the roles, uh, all these titles that have been handed out by Premier Kenny. When you're spending $3 million on your office, and don't say, right, you get in touch and say, Ryan, you made $30 million. I'm not talking about the war room. I'm talking about the other war room, Kenny's staff, the $3 million staff. There's a lot of high-priced talent in that office, Brock Harrison's one of them. He, he cautioned on his Twitter over the weekend, let's not make this something it's not. People were critical of uh, Minister Tracy Allard for releasing a Christmas video. It was released over the holidays when she was gone, when she was in Hawaii. She was standing in front of a Christmas tree wishing everybody a very Merry Christmas, and, and all the MLAs did that. It, it, it's the same thing that Rod Phillips did, Ontario's former finance minister sitting in his living room in front of a fireplace, sipping on eggnog when he was actually really in St. Bart's. You remember that? Brock Harrison said, hey, listen, politicians do this all the time. He said, let's not make this something it's not. Let's talk about what this is not. This is not people setting their hair on fire over a politician fitting in some family time. Don't let Jason Kenny gaslight you into wondering if you're the crazy one because you didn't take off to Vegas or Hawaii or Mexico or Arizona or the UK over your holiday break. Let's take a look. This is one of the things I wanted to focus on. Premier Kenny's address to infuriated Albertans on January 1st. Let, let, let's have a listen to this. Completely shutting down travel would result not only in tens of thousands of more job losses, but would likely result in the financial collapse of Canada's airline industry, which is essential, an essential part of a modern economy. For Alberta, Alberta that is particularly the case for WestJet. If all or almost all travel was to be suspended, I do not believe that WestJet could survive. And the failure of that company would frankly be a catastrophe 
for Alberta's economy and for our prospects of recovery and economic diversification in the future. These are some of the reasons why we have promoted safe travel. And to be clear, given all of the precautions being taken by airlines and passengers, the risks of transmission while traveling are, uh, quotes, extremely rare, in the words of the head of the Public Health Agency of Canada, Dr. Theresa Tam. Recent studies concluded by Harvard University and the U.S. Department of Defense have both concluded that air travel has, this past year, during COVID, has been a less significant source of viral transmission than regular day-to-day -day activities like going to a grocery store. What? Let me be clear. If you visit the COVID-19 page on the Alberta government's website, here's what it reads. An official travel advisory remains in effect. Avoid non-essential travel outside Canada until further notice. The Canada-U.S. border remains closed to non-essential travel. Was that a WestJet commercial? Am I taking crazy pills? What are you talking about? That's why we've been promoting safe travel. You've been promoting, Premier Kenny, staying at home. And people have stayed the fuck at home through their Christmas holidays, through their Hanukkah, through their other meaningful, traditional, religious, and family traditions, people haven't gone across the street for backyard campfires with their neighbors. And now we've got the premier of the province talking about how it's somehow safer to board airplanes than go to the grocery store. What message is this sending to people? to people that were teetering on the fence, trying to decide if they were going to get on board with public health directives, trying to decide if they were going to cancel their trip to the tropics in January or February because they've saved up and they really want to go, but they know they shouldn't. Guess which direction the premier pushed them in order to justify the bad behavior of his staff. He made it okay. And I guarantee you now more people will travel, more people will spread the virus, and it will take longer for COVID-19 to leave Alberta and get Alberta back to normal because of what Jason Kenney said, empowering disobedience from the premier's pulpit. So that's what this is not. This is not a bunch of people lighting their hair on fire because a politician fit in some family time. What is this? This is pure hypocrisy. This is absolute arrogance. This is a series of outrageous examples of do as I say, not as I do. This is mid-pandemic political entitlement. This is elitism. This is the out-of-touch leader of an out-of-touch government that has made a mockery of its promise to us. The promise that we are in this together. This is an absolute collapse of character right up to and centered in 
the premier's office. Let's put this into perspective. For the past number of months, Alberta has sucked on the COVID-19 file. Across the board, our numbers per capita top Canada's charts in all the wrong categories. New cases, hospitalizations, ICUs, deaths, except for the charts where we're right at the bottom, like vaccinations, including what we all assumed would be an aggressive rollout of inoculations over the holiday breaks when the Minister of Municipal Affairs, after these tough measures were introduced on December 13th, you know, when restaurants closed their doors, when hospitality venues canceled the Christmas parties that are so critical to their bottom line, when everybody decided to comply despite the fact that it was fiscally, socially, and otherwise devastating to them, their families, and their social circles. You remember that, December 13th? Six days after that, Minister Tracy Allard on December 19th, she's the head of the ministry, by the way, that runs provincial emergency management. She's the minister. That's when she boarded a flight because of a family tradition that they've held for 17 years. What's your family tradition? Which family tradition did you leave on the table? Is it maybe in some circumstances the tradition that includes a funeral where you gather and celebrate the life of a loved one, maybe your parents, maybe your spouse? Some people left that tradition on the table over the holidays. I'm not the type of person to hate on people for being successful, but maybe in the middle of a trying time when the economy's in the tank and unemployment looks a whole lot like it did during the Great Depression, maybe... Don't point out that you take the fam jam to Hawaii every winter for 17 straight. This is the type of statement that a press secretary or an issues manager absolutely cringes at. This is what they would call bulletin board material. That, that's Sky Palace stuff. That's look in the mirror stuff. That's the budget balances itself stuff. Now, we are hearing that Minister Allard may resign from her cabinet post as as soon as this morning. And you have to wonder what sort of message that's going to send to Jason Kenney, that an entire province had to rise up in fury and force a decision that he didn't have the courage nor the integrity to make. Let's take a look at another moment from Premier Kenney's address to Albertans on January 1st. It's clear that hundreds of thousands of Canadians uh, have traveled in the past year. Tens of thousands of Albertans are abroad right now. Uh, upward, 10 to 20,000 people are moving through Alberta airports every day. Uh, I think the majority of them right now are actually going outside the country to warmer destinations. And um, I'll remind you that we have a uh, Canada has a border management agreement with the United States right now to restrict. Um, uh, non-essential travel across the border but at the same time this huge volume of travel is being accommodated and so i think it comes right down to this that the the advisory of what is essential is uh, is a, a subjective standard 
Uh, people are determining that themselves. They are, if they're going to the United States, uh, they are uh, presumably affirming to U.S. Uh, border agents uh, that the reasons for their travel are essential. Um, the bottom line is this, uh, we have advisory uh, language, but, but then we have uh, public health orders with binding legal force. And uh, I say to all of those folks who have traveled or are planning on doing so that the critical thing is that they carefully follow public health restrictions uh, all the way through uh, in the jurisdiction where they are staying uh, and obviously in their return that will now in a week require proof of a negative test and of course most importantly upon return through self-isolation. This is pure insanity. The, the definition of essential is very subjective, says the premier from the podium, speaking to Albertans whom he has has essentially demanded stay home except for essential business. I would love to attend uh, grandma's funeral. Not essential. I'd love to be there for our daughter's wedding. Not essential. I would love to cash in on the trip that we paid a deposit for and probably can't get back. The trip of a lifetime, we're going to... Not essential. Minister Allard would like some sand between her toes. Obviously essential. Minister Tracy Allard, to reiterate, steers the ministry that manages Alberta's emergency or disaster response. As a matter of fact, when it comes to trust, the only minister that's more important than Minister Allard through Alberta's pandemic response is Health Minister Tyler Shandra, who I'm not sure many Albertans trust as is. There is a rot at the core of the senior cabinet of Premier Jason Kenney in this United Conservative government. And it's not just the big things. It's been all the shitty little things that we've seen. It's the fact that Alberta lists comorbidities on its death reports. No other province is doing that. A comorbidity is, is another reason that would have contributed to somebody's passing. If somebody is 27 years old and, uh, you know, uh, undergoing chemotherapy for a rare type of cancer and they die from COVID-19, that was a death with a comorbidity. It doesn't make the loss any less tragic. It doesn't make it any less meaningful. Alberta lists them. Alberta is the only province in Canada that lists the average age of death on its dashboard. You don't believe me? Go check out the government's website right now. Go check out Alberta's COVID-19 statistics right now. It lists the average age of death. It's 82, by the way. Now, if it was 26, you think they'd list it? No, obviously not. If it's 82, well, they probably lived a pretty good life. Don't worry about it. As you were. Aloha. It's MLA's tweeting now that they're very sorry that they traveled and now they will follow the premier's new travel directive there is no new travel directive there's nothing new about this travel directive in just a second we're going to show you some data what you told us our why station question of the week we call it get real we ask you a question every week and hundreds of you chime in to give us a sense of where you're at and how you feel about things. And we asked you where you're at on the heels of 2020. I'm going to get to that in just a second. 
We wouldn't be doing this show, though, without the support of our amazing sponsors. And we want to recognize a few of them. On this Monday morning, our first show of 2021, we're so grateful for the continued support of the team at Local Waste Services. They've been in the garbage and recycling, the waste management game, so to speak, for a quarter century, locally owned, locally operating, and they want your business. Now, Local Waste is also the sponsor of a little something we call Trash Talk, where you have a chance to to chime in and to vent on things that are really grinding your gears. Our inbox is jammed right now. This week's Trash Talk is probably going to be an hour long, but if you'd like to get on that, send us an email, talk at ryanjesperson.com. Trash Talk presented by the great team at Local Waste Services. We're also thrilled to have the support of St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Tis the season to upgrade your ride, and more and more people every year are going with the Jeep brand. I'm thrilled to be driving the 2020 Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's a beautiful whip. When it comes to bang for buck in the luxury SUV and SUV markets, Jeep Grand Cherokee leads the charge. You'll find Alberta's best Jeep selection at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. We're also grateful for the support of the team at Clean Air Club. Have you thought about the things you're going to change in 2021? Maybe you're going to change your lifestyle a little bit. Maybe you're going to work out a little bit more. Maybe you're going to save a little bit more money for those rainy day funds that maybe got depleted in this past year. How about changing your furnace filters? Nothing will help you breathe easier than doing that in the Clean Air Club. Well, that's what they do. That's their game. Check out cleanairclub.ca. They manage everything for you so it doesn't fly under your radar. They drop the new filters off at your door along with a special gift as well. They're proud to support local. Check out cleanairclub.ca. Back to the story at hand in just a moment, but let's take a look at what's making news outside this main story today. Well, of course, Alberta's political scandal is leading the headlines and it's overshadowing other stories that also demand our attention, including a Calgary police officer killed in the line of duty on New Year's Eve. This is 37-year-old Sergeant Andrew Harnett, who died in hospital despite the best efforts of his colleagues with the Calgary Police Service as well as paramedics on scene. Injuries sustained during a traffic stop he conducted on December 31st. The driver of one of the vehicles that Sergeant Harnett stopped shortly before 11 o'clock tried to flee, taking off in an SUV and striking and dragging the officer. The officer leaves behind his wife, Chelsea, who is pregnant with their first child. Amir Abdulrahman and a 17-year-old man have been charged with first-degree murder in Sergeant Harnett's death. And a sad story, a horrific story. New Year's Day, a northern Alberta couple and their eight- and two-year-old daughters were killed in a helicopter crash. The man and woman spouses Wade and Audrey Baliski died when their Robinson R-44 helicopter crashed into a farmer's field northeast of Grand Prairie. The couple's daughters, Jewel and Fleur, were with them in the crash. They leave behind surviving family members, and our hearts ache with theirs and everybody who knew the Baliski family. We're going to be talking to some former conservative cabinet ministers a little later on in this show, and they're going to give us a more clear idea on how realistic it is that Premier Jason Kenney did not know 
where his minister of municipal affairs and his chief of staff were over the holidays. Now, why is this significant? Not a rhetorical question. In my mind, it's most significant for two reasons. Number one, if the premier truly did not know where his minister of municipal affairs was during Alberta's vaccine rollout, if he did not know where Minister Tracy Allard was for 10 days, and if he seriously did not know that his chief of staff, his shadow, the chief of staff is, is with a premier at all times, within reason. If he truly did not know his chief of staff was in the United Kingdom, a COVID hotbed over the holidays, then that's purely negligent. But that's not Jason Kenney. Anybody who knows Jason Kenney will tell you he's a control freak. Jason Kenney is a micromanager. Jason Kenney controls the message. Which leads me to the second reason why this is important. If he did know where Minister Allard was in Hawaii, if he did know where his chief of staff, Jamie Huckabee, was, and then he looked into the cameras on January 1st and told you that he didn't, then the premier is telling a bold-faced lie to the people that put him in office, to you. And that's a big deal. Now, our friends at Y Station, they're the official research and strategy partner of Real Talk, helped us with what we call Get Real. It's our question of the week, and we asked you about the lasting impact that 2020 is having on you. And here's what you told us. We're going to get into this at 930 with uh, psychiatrist Peter Silverstone and uh, registered psychologist Kim Knoll. Ending 2020, you told us that your status on mental health, 62% of you told us, that you're a little or much worse off with your mental health. About half of you, 48%, told us that you were a little or much worse off with your physical health. 36% of you, let's call it one in three of you, told us that your finances are a little or much worse off. Now, here's reason for optimism. One in three of you, 31% of you, told us that your clarity of purpose is a little or much better off. But on the mental and physical health, on the relationship standpoint, on, the, on that front, on the financial front, you've told us that 2020 beat you up a little bit. And over the past few days, you've realized that the government that asked you to trust them through this pandemic response hasn't even, and quite frankly, still doesn't even take its own travel directives seriously. The leader... Senior cabinet, MLAs, senior staffers were all globetrotting while you and me were locked down. Our family had it easy. I mean, we canceled a couple of things, but really we had it easy. Everybody's had their health, and I'm grateful for it. You know, but we rented a five-bedroom chalet in Golden for my sister's 40th birthday. We canceled it, obviously. My parents were going to have us all down to Calgary for a big Christmas. Everyone was coming in from Vancouver and and we were coming from Edmonton. It was going to be our little nephew Arrow's first birthday, our first Christmas rather, together. My sweet niece Soleil, her first birthday together. We canceled it. Nobody's going to feel sorry for me that we had to change plans for our fantasy hockey pool draft. But if you know me, you know how, 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 how absolutely crazy I am about this hockey pool. For the first time in 23 years, it's a tradition. 
We did our hockey pool draft over Zoom instead of the boys flying in from across Canada and getting together and gathering. Why? Because it was the obvious decision. It was the right thing to do. Everybody was doing it. We thought, especially the politicians that had stay safe, stay home, blasted over their profile photos on social media like Lesser Slave Lake MLA, Pat Rain. This is all about trust. I want to play this. This is the final thing I wanted to bring you. This is, this is how Jason Kenney, after taking a few questions from reporters, this is the last thing that the premier said from the podium on January 1st, on New Year's Day. This is how he chose to rap. This is the one thing that he wanted to leave us with. Let me reinforce that uh, I really don't believe I can impose sanctions on individuals who uh, did not uh, violate the public health orders uh, or the law, who have um, uh, returned to Canada or are in the process of doing so. I, I, and so, uh, again, uh, it will be very clear going forward that uh, this is not to be tolerated in the future. Columnist Don Braid wrote over the weekend, you know, maybe Jason Kenney can't fire any because there's so many. He says this is a genuine political scandal with no signs of going away. He goes on to say this. This whole situation is only explicable through stupidity, arrogance or an epic disconnect with the feelings of regular people. Rick Bell, who's been very friendly to this government, quite frankly, for a couple of years, wrote this morning. Never have I seen Albertans this angry at this temperature with this heat kenny's silence on the weekend speaks volumes and wonders rick bell where are the united conservative politicians speaking up or are they gutless and this will bring us to what can you do about this and what do we do about this and where does this go but if you can't trust your government and if you can't trust your premier then it calls into question a whole bunch of things can we trust Jason Kenney back in March and April and May that the app and the technology was, wasn't working and that's why Albertans couldn't get their hands on a badly needed immediate provincial relief funding? You remember that debacle? I do. Can we trust the premier that he's actually listening to health experts like Dr. Dina Hinshaw? I can't wait for her book. Can we trust Jason Kenney that there's a reason why the Alberta government failed to maximize federal aid for wage top-ups for low-income earning frontline workers? $300 million plus left on the table. Alberta the outlier there. Can we trust this government that it is doing what it needs to do to be well-prepared and well-organized to oversee rapid vaccine deployment? I mean, speaking of trust, because as you know, once once you've lost, you know, once you don't trust somebody anymore, once somebody's lost your trust, then you start to question everything. Right. I mean, do you actually now trust Jason Kenney that there was nothing shady during that leadership race that's still under RCMP investigation? Do you believe him that there is a legitimate reason why the war room that costs Albertans $30 million a year needs to be unfoipable? In other words, protected as a private corporation so reporters can't request or demand documentation of where and to whom that money is going? Do you trust him with that? Do you trust him with the sole source contracts that have been awarded to to 
Minister Doug Schweitzer's former law firm at Denton's, or, or do you trust him with the money that's going to this, you know, out of the slush fund to this big investigation on foreign interests acting against Alberta oil, the one that keeps requiring extensions before finding anything? Do you trust the grassroots guarantees? Do you trust Jason Kenney and his ministers to deal fairly with our doctors and our nurses and our teachers and our curriculum? Do you trust Jason Kenney and his ministers with our parks? Do you trust him in negotiating what should be best for Albertans when it comes to coal mining contracts in the Rocky Mountains? Do you trust him with the billions of borrowed dollars that he's using to prop up oil and gas, including huge breaks on property taxes that's absolutely screwing over municipalities while every major fund in the world is moving in a different direction? I mean, come to think of it, can you really, at this point, trust Jason Kenney or this government with anything? I find it almost impossible to believe that Jason Kenney didn't know about these trips. We've heard from multiple former Alberta cabinet ministers that are calling BS. We're going to hear from a few of them a little later on in the broadcast that he was somehow unaware that his chief of staff was headed to the UK. And by the way, with a mandatory 14 day isolation upon return, are Albertans getting their quarter million a year worth from Jamie Huckabee, who's got to isolate, who's, who's away from the premier at this critical time? Because of a non-essential trip to the UK with his family? That trip, non-essential travel to the UK, non-essential re-entry to the United States, which is not permitted. Unbelievably tone-deaf performance by the Premier's shadow there. So here's the deal. They think we're stupid. They think you're stupid. They think they can lie to our faces. They think that they can abuse their privilege. They think that they can spin these BS technicalities about things that weren't actually illegal, not actually breaking the law. They're going to muddy the waters around what public health advisories actually entail after you and millions of other Albertans have been observing them religiously. And they expect that you're going to be okay with it that you're going to be okay with it today. And if you're not next week, and if you're not for sure by 2023, the next time that Albertans vote, that you're going to continue to support them in their thoughtless, shameless, disgraceful performance because you come from conservative country. An email that I received over the weekend really jumped out at me. I don't know this Real Talk viewer out of Grand Prairie, Edward Livingston is his name. He says, my mom's vaccination at her long-term care facility strangely got pushed back a day over New Year's for unclear reasons. And then this whole story blew up. Edward says, I'm pleased that mom has since got her vaccination shot. But in the meantime, there are now several positive cases among residents for the first time. Says, nonetheless, I really want to know I really want to know if any United Conservative MLAs or staff got vaccinated before traveling, because if they did to me, that would be criminal, says Edward. Do you trust that your MLA didn't jump the queue to get vaccinated to travel? When it all comes down to it, this is all about trust and integrity. 
And, and Jason Kenney, as, as clever as he is, as conniving as he can be, as, as skilled of a politician as he is, has lost or seriously damaged Albertans' trust. Let's take a look at, at some more of the messages you sent me over the weekend. These are tweets either sent to me or tweets that were in my timeline. We have dozens of them. I mean, we could go on for hours today. Andrew wonders, here's my question. I mean, what's the difference between what the D-bag in Ontario did, the finance minister, and what happened here? One's forced to resign. The other gets protected by the premier and a pat on the back for supporting an Alberta business. <laughs> Danny Parody, imagine if Justin Trudeau went to Hawaii. Oh, can you? Dwayne Bratt, political scientist, Mount Royal University. Jason Kenney is essentially saying that ethics don't matter. It's, it's only if people broke the law. Paul Ferry, my favorite part of a, of a global infectious disease pandemic is that going to Hawaii is good for the economy. Emergency room doctor Shazma Mathani, uh, I just can't even right now, she says. You know, blame Albertans when they don't take personal responsibility, but then turn around and say elected officials are exempt from that same personal responsibility because their leader didn't spell it out for them. How about this? From a Real Talk listener, there's not a word in the English language that could encapsulate what I'm feeling right now. I am livid. Kim says this is an outrageous slap in the face to every Albertan who has been following the rules and every human being with critical thinking skills. This man thinks we are stupid and can't see through his lies. I have never been so angry at a Canadian politician in my life. Alberta UCP says there will be no consequences for, for, for any politician who took tropical vacations while Albertans were asked not to visit their own family across town. Conservatives want rules that protect but do not constrain the rich and rules that constrain but do not protect the poor. Lori says I'm gobsmacked was, was the best word used. She's talking about the question that Rick Bell asked the premier. He said he was gobsmacked on January 1st. Lori says, I feel so deflated and discouraged. I missed my granddaughter's first Christmas because I followed the recommendations. And Kirk says, you know, the most lethal disruptive event since World War II overtakes Canada. And the Alberta provincial minister responsible for vaccinating to stop deaths needs to be told not to take a vacation. A minister in the government that told Grand Prairians they're not free to close their practices. This is a homicidal abuse of power. So what now? I know you're angry. I know you're upset. You're betrayed. You're embarrassed. Perhaps you supported this government. Perhaps you knocked doors for this government. <laughs> Maybe you joined Minister Casey Madu in knocking on doors over the Christmas break when we were all supposed to stay home. So the real question is what now? Jason Kenney knows that you can't sustain this fury for months. In fact, he's banking on it. And generally speaking, people do politically have very short memories. So while resign Kenny may be trending right now, like it or not, Alberta's premier is way too arrogant and way too stubborn for that to ever happen. Jason Kenney will not resign. I guarantee it. And quite frankly, I don't think that he's losing sleep over losing an election that doesn't happen for two more years. We send out a Sunday message. Sunday evenings, you can sign up to receive our email update. Just go to ryanjesperson.com, scroll to the bottom of the page. I love the minute that it goes out. Within 10 minutes, probably, we typically get 
30 responses from people that are you know excited about the week to come. Maybe there's an interview they're looking forward to. Maybe they have something they're hoping we cover. They want to get something off their chest. And Sarah wrote to me last night. She said, there's two things, Ryan. Number one, what steps can we take to hold MLAs accountable? Sarah said, I mean, like, who do I call? Where do I show up? How do I find out where there are protests? What do I sign and where do we start? She said, I genuinely don't know what to do and I'm not into Twitter rage, she says, which brings me to the second thing. And that's the thing, by the way, about Twitter rage. It's easily dismissed, right? You look at the the propaganda that comes out from the government message machine, right? The angry left, the over-caffeinated lefties, the perpetually angry Alberta legislature hashtag, the perpetually infuriated Twitter crowd. They mock you. They dismiss you. They dismiss your concerns based on the the messaging platform. So Sarah said, it brings me to the second thing. I'm not into Twitter rage. So like, let's be tough on the problem, not each other. She says, I'm seeing Albertans start to attack each other on Twitter. She says, divisiveness will do nothing toward fixing this problem. So Sarah, to answer your question on, on what you do now, to start, you call your MLA. Regardless of whether or not you voted for them, they are your MLA and you are their constituents. They work for you. If you haven't seen your MLA's name splashed in the headlines yet, I might suggest asking them where they were over Christmas. And I hate to have to put this out there, but make sure your question's specific so they can't get all slippery and liberate themselves from the reality of answering it truthfully. Leave a message. Ask for a call back. Email your MLA. Email the premier's office. Tweet at them. Tag them in your social media posts. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. Don't take your own vote or your own voice for granted. Use this as a wake-up call, a reminder, an opportunity maybe to explore other political parties doesn't matter to me which one i've seen some people saying you know we've got to go all in on the alberta ndp i've seen some people saying this is a great opportunity for the alberta party i've seen some friends of mine ardent conservatives say i'm going to start looking at this western independence movement take a look outside the party that is clearly taking your support for granted Open your mind to donating and volunteering and voting differently than you have in past. Demand the respect of your elected representatives, including your premier. Let Jason Kenney know what you think about his leadership. We've just seen with Alberta Parks that lawn signs work. Politicians pay attention to lawn signs and bumper stickers and candid coffee mugs. Make yourself impossible to ignore. And above all, don't forget that aloha also means goodbye. We'll be talking to former conservative cabinet ministers Thomas Lukasik, Richard Starkey, and Jackie Fenske today. We're going to get their take on all of this. Plus, we're going to get to the comments that you've been leaving on our live YouTube stream. 
and on our Twitter hashtag as well, RealTalkRJ. You know, that Twitter hashtag is actually powered by the team at Park Power, and we are thrilled to have them on board supporting this broadcast as we head into 2021. Park Power is a proud, locally owned Alberta provider of natural gas, electricity, and internet. You've got to pay somebody for it. So why not take your business to Park Power? You know, they're proud to give back to profit share with nonprofits, with charities right here in Western Canada, right here in Alberta. And they're also making it pretty appealing for you to bring your business, whether it's residential or commercial, over to Park Power. As a matter of fact, when homes or businesses sign up with Park Power and enter the promo code 2021-REALTALK, you'll receive $70 off your first bill. 70 bucks just for bringing your business over to parkpower.ca and using the promo code 2021-REALTALK. RealTalk RJ, the hashtag powered by the team at Park Power. We're also grateful for the support, the ongoing support of the team at Alta Moving and Storage. Did you make a New Year's resolution on January 1st? Does it involve, like mine does, again, decluttering? Could you maybe use either a long or short-term storage solution or, or maybe you just need to finally pony up and get one of those pod-style containers that drop it off on your front lawn or that drop it off on your back driveway, your laneway. You fill it up with all the stuff you finally need to say goodbye to and then they take it away. You don't have to worry about it. Or they'll move it to a storage facility for you. Are you moving? Are you upsizing, downsizing? Check out the team at Alta Moving and Storage and you can find their information under the sponsors link at ryanjesperson.com. And I'm very proud to introduce you to one of our new partners. One of our new partners heading into 2021 is the team at Kubi Energy. They are a residential, commercial, and institutional solar and battery storage specialist. They're a Tesla certified installer. And get this, you want to, you say, well, what's proof of performance? What have you done? Tell me about some of your projects. The Edmonton Convention Center, Red Deer College. I mean, Kubi Energy is one of the teams that gets the big contracts, and they'd love to bring their expertise over to your project. It's proudly owned in Edmonton, Alberta, and they're going to be sponsoring something very cool. You know, trash talk is where you get things off your chest. We thought that maybe early every week we could use a positive focus. And Kubi Energy is going to be sponsoring a segment that allows us to shine light on the good news stories that don't always see the light of day. And we're going to kick it off officially once we have submissions from you. So early next week, we'll officially roll it out. But in the meantime, all we need you to do is send your good news story. It can be a tiny little story out of your tiny little hamlet, or it can be an international story that's inspiring you. Send it to talk at ryanjesperson.com and make sure you tag in the subject line, Kubi Energy, K-U-B-Y, Kubi Energy, a proud partner here at Real Talk. Again, all of our sponsors under the sponsors tag at ryanjesperson.com if you'd like to learn more about them. Let's get to our first guest this morning. We're going to be having conversations, quick ones, with three former conservative cabinet ministers. That includes former education minister, former deputy premier uh, Thomas Lukasik, who I would suspect has some pretty strong opinions himself over what we've seen over the past number of days. Uh, Thomas, thank you for joining us this morning. And let me say to start, a happy new year to you. Welcome, Welcome back to Real Talk. We're going to get, uh, he's obviously uh, kind of sideways. So I'll tell you what, Sam, why don't you get Thomas off screen that we'll get that figured out there. That's uh, th- that's pretty funny, actually. Things going sideways in more ways than one, I guess, on Real Talk. Let's get back to Thomas Lukasik, former Deputy Premier. Okay, I think, we're, I think we're looking at you straight now. We've got you. Good morning and Happy New Year to you. 
Sam, okay, it's okay. You're still on mute, I think, Thomas. Good morning. Happy we can New hear Year. you. Happy New Year. Perfect. Awesome. Hey, Jason Kenny says he didn't know that his municipal affairs minister was gone in Hawaii. He says, or he's implying anyway, he hasn't spelled it out. He's implying that he learned that his chief of staff was in the United Kingdom. Uh, you, you've worked closely, Deputy Premier, under Premier Allison Redford. How does this work? Is this plausible? Ryan, in this case, it is simply impossible. You know, as much as anybody would want to give him a benefit of doubt, uh, because of the protocols that are in place in the legislature, not only in Alberta, but throughout Canada, uh, that must be followed when ministers and MLAs travel, uh, for a premier to say that he did not know that his cabinet members were outside of the country is simply impossible. Okay, so what you're saying then is that Jason Kenney looked straight into the camera on January 1st and and lied. That's essentially what you're saying. And, you know, and, and in Parliament, as you know, the word lie is considered unparliamentary, and they always sort of come up with a different word that, that means lie. But in this case, there is just no other way of saying it. Each minister must sign off his or her ministry onto another minister who also signs off on it. Uh, so there is another complicit minister. Then that form goes to the premier's office. So premier knows where his entire cabinet, his executive council is. Then it goes to the whip. So the whip knows where they are. Then it goes to the two deputy ministers of those affected ministries. Um, you know, for, for, for them to say that they did not know uh, is impossible. And that is why uh, Minister Alred already um, uh, commented on the fact that she filled out the required forms. That is why they know how to catch and find their MLAs in Mexico and Hawaii, because on that form, you also leave your contact information. Um, the premier has to know. Even when backbench MLAs travel, they have to ask for a travel request uh, from the WIP and provide them with information because you just never know what happens. And I'll give you an example. When in Alberta 9-11 happened, the premier was on a phone uh, to every MLA and cabinet minister that is his office within minutes, and they have to know where everybody is at any given time. Government works like very large corporations, and there is just no way that a CEO uh, doesn't have a sign-off process for vacations. Um, for his um, vice presidents and, and, and other uh, uh, highly ranked executives. In government, this is actually mandated by law. There are special forms. Ministers are lumps in, lumped into groups and they cover off for each other and they sign off. Because at any given time, Ryan, you cannot have a ministry without a minister in charge. Because uh, again, if something happens, there has to be a minister who signs off on orders in council and things like that. So, Thomas, give us give us a sense. You you know, people are saying what what happens from here? Where does this go? And and that may involve today Minister Allard's resignation. Uh, that may involve other resignations or it may involve the premier announcing that he's relieving people of duty. A staffer or two may get thrown under the bus here. That's politics, as they say. But you, I won't say presided over, but you witnessed with a front row seat the demise of the leadership of Premier Allison Redford when she lost the confidence of her cabinet and caucus. Do you see similarities here? Where do you see this going in the next number of days, weeks, and months? Well, there are some significant similarities, but then there are also differences. You know, Doug Ford, the love him or hate him, did the right thing. He tried to go down the Kenny path and, and deny that he knew, but then later he admitted that they also have a sign-up protocol and he knew two weeks in advance, so he fired his minister. But but his problem was very much confined to one minister, really. 
Uh, Premier has a problem because he has a chief of staff, the second in command, the guy who knows everything about the Premier. Those two are like twins. They have to be uh, chief of staff and and the Premier. And this guy now went to United Kingdom and, and he defied the flight ban, scooter around the rules. As you know, uh, Prime Minister Johnson today is locking down UK. So the situation with COVID over there is just horrendous. Um, and, and yet he went into that epicenter of it. And now he has a number of MLAs and, and press secretaries who traveled. Uh, and and Ryan, and I know for a fact, because, uh, you know, little birds from legislature are talking more and more, uh, there will be more MLAs and staffers who have traveled. Kenny definitely has to fire every single minister that was uh, outside of the jurisdiction, no matter what the excuse. Uh, he definitely has to fire his own chief of staff. Um, he has to reprimand all the MLAs. He, he, there is no way for him to sanction MLAs if they don't have any portfolio uh, positions. Um, and, um, and he has to fess up to everything that has happened. But uh, I can tell you also, I don't know if you follow my um, Twitter feed, but there are now stories coming out from the legislature uh, that Premier himself was throwing big parties, dinner parties, um, uh, during, uh, during very late November. Um, with large numbers of people. So uh, this simply will not go away uh, for him. So uh, Redford, she had the, the the Sky Palace, as you know. One could still argue the, 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 the rationality of what she was trying to do vis-a-vis -vis how it was portrayed, uh, but she fell on her sword. Um, caucus members uh, at one point started having their own separate caucus meetings, um, and they demanded that she steps down and... and uh, and and she realized that that was the end of the rope for her. I am still not seeing this from UCP caucus. So by their silence, they are uh, complicit. They are endorsing this kind of behavior. And and I'm wondering what will it take for UCP backbench caucus members who who have complied with rules, who stayed at home, who you know, let's be frank, some of them are really good MLAs. Uh, when will they stand up to the premier and say, look, this is not the kind of leadership we expected? Uh, this is not the kind of government we ran for, and uh, we can't get reelected uh, oh, that's with what, this and leadership. That's, that's what I'm saying, Thomas, is there's going to be MLAs that are proud, uh, that are driven by integrity, that are in the public service for the right reasons. I don't doubt that. Of course. I don't doubt that there are a whole bunch of them, and I bet that they're mortified, and I bet that they're furious, and I bet that they're barraged right now by messages from their constituents, people that voted for them and people that didn't vote for them and people that are saying they won't vote for them again unless they do something. Do you see a, a floor crossing here? Do you see MLAs leaving to sit as independents? What do you see here? Well, you know, if there isn't or if there aren't actually multiple ones, um, then we have a, an integrity problem in that entire party, in that entire caucus. Uh, if these MLAs don't react now, uh, when will they react? Um, so uh, I certainly, not for partisan political reasons, although, as you know, I'm not a big fan either of, 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 of Kenny and his government, but um, if they want to prove uh, to their own constituents that they should be reelected, that they are not part uh, of this kind of behavior, they have to demonstrate it. Um, unfortunately, up to now, what we're seeing is, is, is a great deal of justification. There is one MLA uh, who is starting to speak up uh, vocally against this, but it'll take more than just speaking up. Who are you talking, are you talking about, Michaela it, Glasgow? That is correct. That is correct. Young, she, she a young MLA. Some, some out of, overtures. Yeah, young, a young MLA, MLA out, of, out of southern Alberta. 
And I'm sure her heart is in the right place. She wants to serve her constituents and she knows that, that she just simply will not get reelected if she is part of this team and if, if they don't stand up. So, you know, can he, can he put himself in a tough position? But really what landed him in this position is, is not just the fact that the, his ministers and MLAs traveled and that he's been incompetent in managing his caucus, but actually lying. That is his biggest problem. If he came out on day one and said, look, we screwed up. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ralph Klein used to do it more often than we wanted him to do as, as MLAs. So I screwed, we, I screwed up. My ministers made uh, bonehead decisions. Um, I will fix it. We will make it up to you. I apologize. And I will fire anybody who needs to be fired. You know, this story wouldn't be over. But it wouldn't be as escalated as it is right now. It, it, you know, this is now international news, not just national news. Yeah. But he chose to lie. He chose to cover up for his ministers. Uh, he chose to take it all upon himself, somehow thinking that he is either invincible or he has so much political credit with Albertans that he can endure um, this barrage. And and now we 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 have a premier that really has no way out because. Yeah. Facts are coming out, and and as we know now, his own staffers in Alberta legislature are starting to leak stories and indicate uh, what more there is to be. Found. Oh, people are people are going to try to save their own skin, and and like you said, Thomas, I mean this this boils down, to, you know, as Jason Kenny likes to say, let me be clear. This boils down to a couple key things, and number one, the most important one is either he didn't know the whereabouts of his chief of staff and senior cabinet ministers, or he's lying to Albertans. And either of those, uh, in my mind, are reason for resignation. Uh, Thomas uh, Lukasik, former deputy premier of the province of Alberta, we appreciate your insight on this uh, from an insider's perspective. Thanks for joining us. Uh, In just a second, we're going to be talking about mental health uh, with uh, psychiatrist Dr. Peter Silverstone, registered psychologist uh, Kim Knoll. First, I wanted to remind you how proud we are to partner with the team at the Dairy Queens of West Edmonton in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park and get this, they said uh, the Dairy Queen team did that the response to their Christmas frozen ice cream log fire sale, they didn't call it a fire sale, those are my words can you use fire in talking about ice cream? Yeah you can, talking about ice cream because they've also got the grill, right? Dairy Queen's got the grill Uh well they said that real talkers showed up in, in such grand fashion to take advantage of the 50% off the half off Christmas ice cream logs that they're actually rolling out a new promo and so get this I mean if you're going to say if I were going to say Dairy Queen your favorite item on the menu what does it go probably going to say 65 maybe we'll make this one of our Y station questions of the week you'd probably say Blizzard or would you say Dilly Bar you might say Dilly Bar it's the famous Dilly Bar we'll get this While quantities last, the six Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park are holding a buy one, get one free Dilly Bar sale. So you buy one box of six Dilly Bars like I did the other day. Two left for those that care. Uh, You'll get another box of six for free. There's no limit. They say there's no limit in how many you can buy at any single time. But again, it is while quantities last. And they've also got dairy-free Dilly Bars at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Y Gardens, and Baseline Road. A shout-out and a New Year's greeting on behalf of the team at Westworld Computers, too. If Santa maybe didn't bring you what you were hoping for, like AirPod headphones or that new iPhone or, or maybe a new MacBook Pro in your stocking, why don't you go get it yourself? Daryl and the team at Westworld Computers have been proudly family-owned and locally operating for more than 40 
years. You can find them just off Mayfield Road, your home, your source for the best sales and service when it comes to Apple and Mac products. Check out Westworld Computers. Now, speaking of Y Station, Sam, can we get that board up again? We ask you our Get Real. We call it Get Real, our question of the week. Uh, and we're hoping to have, you know, a thousand of you early in this new year that make up our Real Talk panel that answer these quick questions uh, every single week. Our question of the week last week was asked about your status on a few key areas of your life. So ending 2020. You know, how would you rate your mental health, your physical health, your finances, your clarity of purpose? And as you can see, it was a tough year. Newsflash, uh, 62% of you said that your mental health is a little or much worse off, for example. 62% as we wrap up 2020. We wanted to give you the tools to launch into 2021 pursuing either the restoration of your mental, physical relationship health, maybe your financial health. And so we thought we'd kick it off with a a meaningful conversation with two people I respect very much. You've seen Dr. Peter Silverstone on this program before, a psychiatrist. And of course, it's my pleasure to introduce you to registered psychologist, uh, Kim Knoll, both friends of mine, uh, Peter and Kim really want to welcome you to the program this morning and a happy new year to you both. Thank you, Ryan. Peter, why don't we why don't we begin with you? Now we sent you uh, a, a whole bunch of information. We sent you the, the data that we had returned from Y Station uh, as as we had uh, more than four hundred people, as a matter of fact, or about four hundred people responding to this survey and really you know wearing their hearts on their sleeves, telling us about the impact twenty twenty had. What were some of the key things, the trends that you noticed in this data? I think there's some really rich and important information in that data. But if you don't mind, Ryan, I just want to comment first on what you've been doing and talk about the mental health aspects of the behaviors that we've seen. Is that all right with you? No, please feel free. So there's some really interesting behavioral science work. And let me take you to the UK, obviously, from where I'm I'm from. There was somebody called Dominic Cummins, who in May of this year, Uh, ignored the rules. He was the principal advisor to the prime minister and he ignored the rules and he drove and there was a big scandal about it. But I think the really key part, and this is why I hear this news with sadness. I'm I'm not going to talk about my own personal views or anger, but I hear it with sadness because there was marked change in compliance once it became clear that senior leaders in the UK did not actually follow the advice. And so what actually happened is people saw that as permission. And when we look at mental health and we look at behavioral science, how do we get people to comply is really key, whether we're talking about mask wearing or vaccination rates or complying with social distancing and not seeing others. And you've mentioned it before, but trust is key. And what's for me really sad, and and I can only use that word because that's how I see it from the scientific viewpoint, is the data is pretty compelling and the evidence is very clear that that loss of trust did lead to changes of behavior. And many people no longer saw that they had to follow the rules, but saw this as a way of how can I avoid the rules? And one could argue we've seen something similar in Alberta too, uh, and that this can make it worse. So my real fear is that because of what we know from behavioral science evidence elsewhere, that what we're seeing today, and I I won't get into the politics or or righteousness or anything like that, but what we've seen uh, recently may lead, in fact, probably will lead to some people being less compliant, and that will increase the risks of all of us. So I'm actually very sad uh, about what we've had uh, because I think 
the behavioral health and mental science uh, evidence is pretty clear that this will have an impact. So I just wanted to add that there is science on that. And I've sent you a link from a great piece in The Guardian uh, from Saturday from from a very renowned expert in the field. uh, And you can feel free to post that on your site. Yeah, doctor, I appreciate that. I I would I would go so far as to guarantee. And I said this about an hour ago, I would guarantee that people will take health directives and travel advisories less seriously because the premier has given them nothing short of a green light to do exactly that and justifying the travel and the actions of his senior staff and his cabinet ministers. Uh, Kim, happy new year to you. You weren't on camera when we first welcomed you here. So I want to welcome you as you make your real talk debut. I've been uh, let's be honest. uh, I've been looking to you and benefiting from your experience on matters of mental health and personal wellness for years. And I'm happy to have you here. We're going to be talking about this, these polling results, what, what real talkers were telling us over the past week answering the question of the week but why don't we pick up on on what dr silverstone was saying there are a lot of people right now they're writing into us i can see it in front of me uh some people are saying i'm I'm so angry i could scream some people are saying i've never been this angry at a politician before i don't know what to do one woman said that we buried or we would have buried she said we lost my mom we would have buried her she says tears are streaming down my face at this story i can't watch the news anymore What's your message to these Albertans that are absolutely infuriated right now? Kim, I think you might be on mute. Uh, let's just, I just want to get you off mute. Are you good? Sam, we have our uh, levels up. Let's try it now. Kim, do we have you? There we go. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Okay. I think all of these feelings are very valid um, and it's really important to acknowledge them. It's when we don't acknowledge our feelings that they actually come back to bite us and, and impact our bodies. So please acknowledge the feelings you have. And at the same time, recognize that we are independent people, right? And that we are free to make our own decisions. And in terms of the leadership skills that I teach people, that we really have to be living into our own values. I know lots of people during COVID have done this that you know, we see people around us doing things maybe we don't like or approve of, but we are independent thinkers and understand what your values are and live into them. We can actually lead this province from within by showing the politicians who you know are not following the rules that we actually have integrity and we're gonna live into it despite what some of our leaders are doing. So we, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at, at this polling and and we recognize and I'm not sure it's a surprise. I, I wouldn't have, I don't think, been able to speculate that the numbers were quite where they were, that more than six in 10 respondents said that their mental health is either somewhat or, or greatly damaged or compromised uh, after this year, after the year that 2020 was. Uh, I want to ask each of you on, on how we respond to this. Where do we begin with 2021? Is it realistic or is it pie in the sky to talk about a fresh start? Uh, Dr. Silverstone, let's go to you for people that said that, that in, in these poll results that their mental health was greatly compromised. Uh, where do they start in this new year? So first of all, those findings are, are very interesting. I, I certainly give kudos to those who completed the information. It's fairly rich and detailed. Yeah. So thank you for completing that. I think nearly 400 people completed the data. I think as a data scientist, I have to say that obviously this may not be a representative sample. We don't know what percentage of the group it is, but nonetheless, it's a rich data set. And I think it does really chime in with much of the other data we've seen. Wherever you look across North America, for sure, and other countries most likely, the rates of depression and anxiety have gone up. 
And it's not a surprise they've gone up. There's tremendous uncertainty. There's economic uncertainty, health uncertainty, uh, all kinds of problems. And of course, here we've got an economic tsunami as well. So that's not a surprise. What's concerning is that also things that have also changed have been rates of alcohol use and drug use uh, have gone up. And that can obviously lead to problems. And rates of domestic violence, sadly, have gone up involved in some other initiatives in that. So it's certainly not a good news story. However, I think one of the things that we should be able to do is say, okay, well, this is where we are. How can we help Albertans and those who are watching today actually improve their mental health? And so something I've started to talk about now is 100 days. People have started to do New Year's resolutions. I'm really looking at 100-day resolutions. What can you do in the next 100 days? And I'd certainly like the opportunity to talk about some of the things people can do to improve their mental health over the next little while. Uh, I noticed that many of the uh, participants have young children at home. And so what can you do as a family to improve everybody's mental health and so on? So there are many things we can do that I might talk about in a minute, but I certainly don't want to monopolize the conversation. And I'm sure Kim has some excellent comments as well. Well, Kim, so where do we start from your perspective? You know, I am really finding with young children at home that we have been so fortunate to have such a wonderful in terms of weather, a wonderful Christmas break. So number one, get outside. I think that having the opportunity to be in nature and to really get some exercise and move our bodies, that number one key. Can I add to that, Ryan, uh, something that I often recommend to families with young kids? Uh, we all know exercise is a key component of mental health, and I, I cannot emphasize that enough. So whatever you're doing, uh, add a minute of exercise every day because that can really help. But if you're a family with younger kids, less than 10 or whatever age you feel is appropriate, Simon Says is a really good thing to do. So Simon Says is where you're going to do, you know, follow me and you're going to do jumps or whatever it is, some kind of exercise with your kids. And what I'm suggesting is for the next 100 days, you do a different exercise every day and you take it in turns. What are we going to do? You choose, I choose, you choose, I choose, depending how many kids and what ages they are. But the point about that is you're doing something with your family together. You're involving your kids in those choices and you're being physically active, whether that's inside or outside, and you're making it into a game. And that is a very good way to build several positive things into your day. The other thing to do is we've, we're surrounded by a lot of very negative news. Something that really seems to make a difference, and, and there's a lot of evidence to support this, is hearing positives. So every day, talk with the people around you, whether that's uh, in person because they're in your bubble or via Zoom or other messages, one positive, one, one positive thing have you heard or seen or done today. I think we all become overwhelmed by all the negative things we hear, and it's very easy to shut down. And it is important for our mental health to hear positives. So exercise and positives are really important. The third thing I'll add is SMART goals, which are short, time-limited goals. Tomorrow, I'm going to achieve these two things. I'm going to spend 15 minutes alphabetizing my spice rack. I'm going to spend 15 minutes doing something totally different. And set these goals for tomorrow, achieve them, and try and do it for 100 days. The grand goals, I'm going to change my career, I'm going to change my body pattern, I'm going to change my diet, tend to be less successful. But if you have shorter-term goals, you can succeed at that. Uh, so those those are some practical tips that I would ask people to consider. We've got some really interesting data that gives us, as part of these resonant profiles, an idea of who's listening 
uh, and who's watching Real Talk as well. Uh, this may not have anything to do with the conversation we're having, but I'm always interested to see who's digging the show and who's participating. You know, for example, 22% of our respondents out of about 400 of them, and, and we want to get that to 1,000 uh, Real Talkers. We want to make sure, as Dr. Silverstone noted, that we have polling results that accurately represent where this audience and where Albertans and Western Canadians, where Canadians are at. Uh, you can answer our question of the day. Sign up to be on our panel. It's obviously free and you can benefit from it. Uh, just look out the question of the week across the top banner at ryanjesperson.com. 22% of respondents, 18 to 34 years old, uh, that, that would be an absolutely coveted demo uh, if you were doing any sort of traditional radio broadcasting. 54% of respondents, 35 to 54 years old. That's the money demographic. More than half of our audience, 35 to 54, 23% 55 plus. 66% of respondents working full time, 11% retired. 9% working part-time. I mean, some of these factors uh, indicate to us where people may be coming from. For example, currently unemployed, uh, Kim, that's one that I'm keeping an eye on. For a lot of people, you talk about mental health. A lot of that ties in. You talk about the relationship status with regards to whether or not they're happy, whether or not there's peace at home, uh, whether or not there was a stress-free holiday season. A lot of this can come down to something as, it's not simple. I'm not blowing it off. I'm not minimizing it. But I mean, employment, could change the game for somebody either way completely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about being able to meet your basic needs. And when Albertans are not able to do that, it causes massive stress. Um, I'm so thankful that we have a number of organizations who are helping out right now. But definitely, if you're going through that level of stress, especially due to unemployment or domestic violence, um, please reach out. You cannot... Uh, do this alone. Uh, people are around to help and, uh, you know, take that first step and reach out for some help. Psychologists are here too, if you need us. Let's and the other point I would like to make about the audience from the participation is it's a generally well-educated audience. About 50% have college degrees and a, another large chunk have either some kind of further education or have started that. So generally, it's a fairly informed, uh, articulate audience. And I think that that is re representative of, of the group you're speaking to. Yeah, I don't mean to be crass, but uh, having worked in traditional media for 15 plus years, I know that if you have evidence that a viable and legitimate cross-section of your audience, 52% female, 50% plus college educated, 50% plus 35 to 54. That's, that is prime time, baby. That's a very interesting demographic that, that it, on one hand, advertisers are very interested in, but, but on another hand, these are people that are aware of, you know, this sort of sandwich generation that we talk about. These are people that are caring for kids, people that are also caring for their parents. Uh, 35, 54 is an age group where you can have a lot of stress on your shoulders because you're looking out for a lot of people when we asked folks what they were most thankful for in 2020 these are some of my favorite parts of what y station does with our question of the week is they allow for long form answers and people get out of the multiple choice and they actually leave comments the most popular response when we asked what are you most thankful for in 2020 i'm still alive and healthy that was the most popular response a lot of people were thankful for their family a lot of people thankful for new additions to their family uh, people were grateful for for companies they worked for that protected their jobs, implemented unlimited sick time, as an example. Uh, the scientists around the world who worked to create that COVID-19 vaccine, 
A lot of people say, what, this one jumped out at me, my ability remained to still help others during this time and, and feel safe doing it. Kim, how important is it for, for people to, to, it's a cliche, but we talk about this attitude of gratitude, to be able to ground ourselves with something that, that, that maybe it's at our core has always given us joy, so whether it's volunteering or something else. Yeah, it's vitally important right now. And I think a lot of people, because of the time and space and, that we've been given, have really embraced this idea of giving back, getting in touch with our the things that we're grateful for. And especially over this holiday season where we weren't able to do what we normally would do. And I think these are really things that we're going to carry into 2021 as uh, improvements that we've made to our lives, that we can look at the things that are not only not going well, but then balance that with the gratitude of what is going well and what we do still have. And I think that's vitally important for us to be able to get through turbulent times. You know, Brian, I, one of the things you've just spoken about, apologies if over talking, one of no. the things you've just spoken about is really important to mental health. You've spoken about two types of research, perhaps without knowing it. You've talk, talked about the data-driven or what we call quantitative, just give me the numbers. And then you've spoken about the qualitative, how do I feel? What does this make me feel? What do I think? Which is a rich, deep, but very different set of resources. And I think when we talk about mental health, we have to recognize the huge scope of what we're now looking at, which covers both the quantitative numbers and qualitative emotional responses. And I think that's key because it really relates to pretty much everything you've had on this show. You know, I'm very honored that you've had at least people talking about mental health on so many uh, times, not because of any personal uh, issues, but because I think it's so important, whether you're talking about opiates, whether you're talking about behaviors and compliance, whether you're talking about things such as how our kids are doing, whether we're talking about things such as how our hockey team is doing, you know, how do we change the psychology of that team to make them win? All of these things rely, and I think we've got increasing evidence on both a combination of quantitative data, which is really where I come from, and now increasingly the qualitative. Tell me what you think. And the fact that you're capturing both sets of data in this is, I think, a very uh, enriched sample and actually very interesting from a data perspective. Yeah, I like I like the question. What are you most hopeful for in 2021? I mean, I think I think a lot of people were ready to 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 close the door on 2020 and walk away and maybe never look back. That's not to say though that there haven't been positives. I mean, you know, I I felt like my my entire life was was uh, was there was we fell victim to a napalm attack back in September, and I'll tell you, in November, experienced one of the most encouraging. Uh, periods of, of my time on this planet. And I think that other people may have that as well. I mean, some respondents to our survey, uh, our poll indicated that financially they're better off this year, that they paid more attention to their physical health, that 2020 was actually very beneficial for them. And and that optimism does carry forward into 2021. The most popular response, what are you most hopeful for? No surprise to see COVID-19 vaccines, uh, social normalcy, travel again, um, you know, I, I hope my husband and I can both get the surgeries we need, both of them for cancer, both of them canceled at the moment, you know, um, hugs, uh, a little less stress. I like this, that people will remember what it felt like to be isolated from the ones they love and do their best to never take the privilege of those relationships for granted in future. Uh, Kim, you're nodding and smiling as you're hearing these. I mean, these are all, I mean, they, they indicate that there is major unrest and disturbance, uh, when the number one hope for a new year is a, is a vaccine, uh, that says something. But but it, but it looks to me like you're feeling maybe a little bit encouraged by these. Yeah, I think that 
yes, many people are struggling and at the same time are seeing some real interesting uh, benefits to this time of reflection and more time. And I love that so many of your respondents had an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to take the lessons I can from this and, you know, really taking the things um, that are important to me, like holding them up higher, putting them more, as more of a priority, really paying attention. Uh, that's the mindfulness piece, paying attention to how am I spending my time? Where am I spending my time? What's really important to me, my physical health, my mental health, how do I work on those things? I think that is so amazing. And I've heard that from my neighbors in my community too, that this is really, um, there's really some amazing benefits that are coming from this time and, and these opportunities to look at our life in a way that we haven't before. And so I really hope that while we, you know, look back on this time and, and, you know, wish it never happened, I think there is also that part of us that will also look back and say, remember the lessons we learned from this and let's keep those going forward. And I think you also spoke about the, uh, apologies, I seem to keep jumping in over the top of you. It's okay. You spoke about the response, because this is real talk, you spoke about the response to adversity that you had, which I totally uh, get, and that you were able to thrive from that. And that I think is really interesting. My mother always described me personally as a pathological optimist, because yes, you get knocked down, but you get up again. And sometimes, in fact, most of the time, the things that knocked you down turned out to be a doorway or a window into another opportunity that you hadn't seen. That doesn't make them less painful. And every day, I'm not kidding, every day I say out loud how lucky I am. I genuinely know how lucky I am. And I see people uh, in the clinic now, of course, virtually, uh, who who don't have those opportunities. So I'm not naive. I'm not pretending, oh, yes, go to all this and all. Kumbaya, we'll be fine. Having said that, if we look at mental health, mental health resiliency and wellness, the role of hope optimism, forward thinking should not be minimized. And I believe in the past, we haven't really focused enough upon that in terms of the therapeutic approaches. And I heard Kim talk about that. And I heard you talk about that. And I think it's something we need to recognize. How can we, recognizing where we are now, move forwards? And that doesn't mean it's easy for everybody. It doesn't mean things can change. But sometimes what I find myself doing in the clinic with individuals and with patients is say, okay, this is where you are. I understand the pain and the distress. How can we help you move forward? Because looking backwards and being angry and upset doesn't actually help you achieve your goals. And so one of the things when you've spoken about uh, how can you take what is experience? And I'm bringing us right back to the first conversation. Uh, some people's anger upset. I'm not talking about my own views, which are irrelevant, but some people's feelings. How can you take that and turn that into a positive instead of being simply angry and upset? And this is something I, I do. I don't know if Kim does as well with people who have uh, experienced grief, particularly if they've lost, lost a child. How can you take that legacy of the child and turn that into something positive. Of course, you're never going to get off the, over the grief. That's not what I'm suggesting or even implying. But is there some way you can honor that individual or honor that person? Or if you're very angry or upset, instead of just being stewing in that, are the things you can do. So I think all of these mental health, uh, behavioral health, all uh, resonate together. Kim, uh Whoever needs to take your call, I can go to the other person. But Kim, I want to give you, uh, <laughs> I want to give you last word on this. Um, you know, whether and I think that Dr. Silverstone has, has touched on this nicely. But you know, there are people that are 
um, that are upset right now for political reasons. There are people that are upset for I mean, we, we have people here that are waiting for cancer surgeries. There are people that have that have cashed in. They've maxed out their lines of credit. They've all they, they remortgaged their house last year. They can't do it again. There's no more equity left. They've sold the snowmobile or they're working on the side or they're delivering flyers or whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing or their kids sick or there are people that are feeling stresses. You know, kids are back to school parents right now. I mean, I'm seeing and I know that they're they're passing them along. Parents are doing it to be fun and cute and positive. But they're showing us that they have the iPad with the kids school going this morning and they're watching real talk on the laptop and they're trying to find balance in their life. And they, and they feel that they can't have that balance and the balance has been disrupted. Can you give us something to wrap this all together to walk with today? I mean, Peter talked about the hundred days, something today to get through today and to focus on again tomorrow morning. Yeah, absolutely. So as human beings, we are hardwired for connection. And I think the thing that COVID has done for us is you know, broken the connections that we are used to having with people. And no matter what you're struggling with, we can't go through this alone. We have to reach out to friends, to family, to our the professionals in our lives and seek support. And I know it looks different than it used to, but when we can come together and share our stories and get support and, you know, even commiserate a little bit, it makes such a tremendous difference in lightening the burden. So definitely reach out to your friends and family. It can be a phone call. It can be Zoom. It can be reaching out to your professionals in your neighborhood, even Facebook, some of the community groups that we've got going on. My kids would say that was cringy and look at Instagram or Snapchat or something else. But really, every day, make sure you're connecting with someone and that will make a tremendous difference for you. Psychiatrist. Can I add one thing to yeah. that just before we close and push back at Sam a bit when we're talking about connection because he upset me last week, if you don't mind, Ryan. And then when we're talking about reaching Sam out, did? this is Sam did. Okay. And Sam, I'm looking at you. He just, Sam, Sam yesterday insulted me personally, uh, although he didn't perhaps realize it. I think he used the word dead fish handshake. Oh. And, you know, I, I'm he English. And, and our handshakes, they're wimpy. You know, that's how we're brought up. And he was saying about never trust a man with a dead fish handshake. So Sam, you're wrong. <laughs> Sam, would and you like excuse my language? I let me let me just finish okay, a little let, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doc, you finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'll defend himself. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't swear. So excuse my language. Handshakes, you know, got to be a manly handshake. That's basically excuse my language. It's basically a pissing match for adult men. You know, <laughs> how strong can you shake your hand? And so Sam, I'm pushing back at you. We should reach out. But soft handshakes are just as good as firm handshakes. Mm, Kim, you're nodding. You, you honestly, really? I mean, I, I now, 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 now. Peter is infusing a, a gender angle on this. He says we've got to be manly, which will push people will push back on that. Right? So I get that. But what do you? A wimpy handshake? I don't know, Kim. Before before Sam defends himself, what do you think? You know, I'm taking the space of non-judgment. Just shake <laughs> yeah. a friggin' hand yeah, and then do it safely and then sanitize. You're good to go. Yeah. Okay, Sam. No, it's not fair for us to have this conversation without letting Sam defend himself. So I don't know what there is. to Like, I mean, I shouldn't say I don't know what there is to defend. Peter, you make a very good point. Um, I don't think I said never trust somebody. I think that that might be a little bit of hyperbole. <laughs> um, 
I appreciate a firm handshake. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I just have to echo what Kim said. Just take the handshake and move on. Yeah, it's there just, we it's go. It's just a greeting. It's fine. There um, we go. I appreciate a firm handshake. <laughs> you, hey, you were talking about a boss you had, and I, I would have been that boss who had the wimpy handshake. Yeah. So that's why I took it personally. And my last point about Kim is, is men do very different handshakes to women than they do to other men. They don't try and crush a woman's hand into submission. Whereas when I came here, oh, maybe they do, Kim. Thank you. Is that, am I wrong there? <laughs> Men do try to crush women's hands, Kim? Oh, oh gosh, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I try to, my grandpa- No, I think it's for a different reason, but yeah. What do you think, what do you think is the reason there? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I think that, you know, yeah, that's a whole other is it, topic. Is I don't know it, is if I it can. Like, is, it, is it like peacocking? Is it the peacock's feathers? Showing is their that, strength, perhaps. Showing their strength. <laughs> yes, showing their ability to hunt and gather, perhaps. My, my incredibly feminist fiance has no time for wimpy handshakes. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to... Okay, hey, we, we're going to need another half hour. We're going to have to send our apologies to Jackie Fedsky and Richard Starkey. Um, hey, in all seriousness, uh, Kim Canal, uh, Peter Silverstone, uh, a psychiatrist, registered psychologist, uh, uh, so appreciate both of your voices look forward to the next time we talk and wishing you thank you for these tools uh and we're wishing you and yours a very happy new year thank you thank great you. to see you both you know what i'm realizing sam um we got a, and this was on us because we were, you were doing uh, an amazing job getting everything organized there were there were more than 70 elements for today's live broadcast which is totally unprecedented for us um, you're making sure the lighting was great. You're making sure all the mics are ready to go. You're making sure our computers are, are ready and rocking and rolling at, at full speed ahead. And I realized, do you know what I'm going to get at? What we have forgotten, what has slipped our mind, what is probably giving someone some anxiety when we take your shot, take your shot and just look into the monitor for a sec and let me know if you can solve it. Let me know how long it takes you to solve what we, what's probably giving some folks anxiety in the I'm shot, in the shot. Uh, Let me ask, in your home, wow. is your Christmas right tree still up? My Christmas tree is still up. Ours is too. We're taking yeah. it down. Um, yeah. We still got the we still got the yeah. little tree off to the side. Now, some, still, now this is where... Still the season? Politics can divide people. Religion can divide people. Um, you know, matters of policy can divide people. How long you keep your Christmas decorations up can really divide people. And I, I've never understood... You know, there are the people that like Boxing Day, the tree is out the door. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, in that our, drives me crazy. In our back laneway, there are trees already. Like, and, and, and now you go, well, it's January 4th. But there are trees that were in the back laneway on December 27th. I know because I was here. I wasn't in Oahu or Maui or Arizona or Las Vegas. I was here. Um, but I know. Yeah. So I, so what do you what, what do you figure? How much longer do we? That, that was a gift from Flowers by Merle. How, how long do we leave that up for? Would you figure? I'd say probably until that. Like, I I wonder hmm. if today now that we've talked about it, now that, we, now that we've talked about it, it's a thing. It's right? got to come down. I, I will say I'm I am a I'm a because I always get real trees. So I tend to put them up a little bit late. They tend to be like first week of December, which is late for a lot of people. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are just like, nope, middle of November. Christmas trees got to go up. I can't personally put up a Christmas tree before um, Remembrance Day for sure. Usually the Grey Cup is when I'm like, okay, that's over now. Grey Cup, but Christmas. Okay, yeah. there you go. Which there wasn't this year. Yeah. Um, but I always find that like when they pick up the real tree, especially the city collection, it's always earlier than I'm ready, and then I end up with a dead tree that I don't know what to do with, and 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 that kind of stuff. So Joe and Lacombe is he's pleading with us right now. He says, please. 
Uh, Joe and Lacombe, uh, he, he, his, his business, it's an award-winning business, Joe Social Media, he, he works to bring people together. Joe really does. Joe likes peace and harmony. I know because he was the captain of my hockey team, the Red Deer Jets, back in the day. He never really liked it when we'd mix it up with our arch nemesis, the Pylons. That was our, that was our crosstown rival. And the, the, the Captain Joe was always trying to get us. He was, like, he was like the class. He was like Stevie Y. He was like Joe Sackick. He was that guy for us. Uh, and he says, please uh, take it down. Please take down the tree. It totally divides people. That's not what we want to do. What we want to do is divide people on political fronts instead. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> I kid. But I had to find some way to segue back to Dr. Richard Starkey, who's going to join in just a second. Sam, can we, why don't we call up a few more tweets that we saw? Because we literally, we pulled dozens of these. We told you, and you know, if you've been watching, you know, in the first month and a half that this show has been going live every morning, you have a voice. You have a platform on this broadcast. Mary reached out to me and said, you know, Jason Kenny doesn't respect Albertans. We're rubes to him. He believes all he needs to do to make us forget his government's incompetence, entitled attitude, cruelty and costly mistakes. Billions of foregone revenue is to attack Justin Trudeau and Rachel Notley. Geeky Planet, Kathleen Smith says, you know, I asked you, who does this fall on? You know, does this fall on the MLAs, the staffers, the chief of staff, the ministers that traveled or does this fall on Kenny? Kathleen says it falls on Kenny. It's a leadership issue. She says it's an integrity issue. It's an entitlement issue. It's a character issue. Kathleen says the leader sets the tone. There's a reason that staffers and MLAs don't think the rules apply to them. Their leader exudes the same arrogant entitlement from Kathleen Smith. Let's take a look at a couple more. Shane said, I'm spitting mad. So much that my mask is soaked. I like that one. Did you like that one? So much that my mask is soaked from all the spitting. And let's, let's take a look at one more. This from Nicole, who said, I'm so angry. I can't believe this is okay. What is actually happening? People said bye to their dying loved ones on Zoom. This is disgusting. Jason Kenny needs to be one and done. I couldn't even see my mother this year. What in the actual? That from Nicole. Would you mind actually bringing up that tweet, that Twitter survey I did? I set it for 24 hours because I wanted to make sure. And again, you know, let me say that, you know, we, we want scientific polling. We'll go to Y Station. We want unscientific, unofficial, anecdotal polling. I'll take it to Twitter. And so I did right around noon on New Year's Day. What say you, my fellow Albertans? Who's responsible for this shit show? You know, is it the ministers, the MLAs, the staffers, or is it Premier Kenny? 3,472 of you voted, almost 3,500 votes. 87% of you put this at the feet of the premier. Let's call in a a former progressive conservative minister. As a matter of fact, he ran for the leadership of the party. Right up until he hung him up to move on to his, I don't know what career, because Dr. Richard Starkey was a veterinarian before, and I know he's doing a lot of stuff now, making his Real Talk debut this morning. Welcome to the show, Doc. It's wonderful to see you, and a happy new year to you. Uh, thank you, Ryan. It is great to be on the show. Is my audio okay there? Your Sam? audio sounds great, uh, Doctor. Perfect. And, Perfect. And might I compliment you on your framing and your lighting as well? Uh, what oh, do you? Well, uh, there you go. <laughs> what do you? What do you make? I mean, you, you've you, you've walked in the halls of power. You've served in cabinet. Uh, you, you're a, a, a veteran of politics and the Alberta landscape. You understand the nuances, uh, and you come from so-called conservative country, as we might dub it so where's your head at on this monday morning well ryan you'll recall last Wednesday we, we had a short telephone conversation and i had told you that really i had stayed very quiet since the last election i'm a private citizen again I, i've turned down multiple interview requests and a number of other uh, requests to comment on what's going on politically in alberta right now because i'm a private citizen 
and I'm back to veterinary practice. I, I, I work one week uh, out of every month at a practice that I'm very fond of in Grand Prairie, as it turns out. I, uh, I'm teaching at Lakeland College. I teach a course in agriculture law and policy, which covers really a lot of the kinds of issues we're talking about today. And uh, I also taught a course in conversational German to some elementary school kids last year, which was a lot of fun. And the thing I actually am really proud of when, when the psychiatrist talks about, you know, what do you do to improve your mental health? Uh, last February, uh, thanks to a Christmas gift from my wife, I uh, started doing something that I've wanted to do my whole life. I've started to learn how to play the cello. And uh, Yo-Yo Ma has nothing to worry about, but uh, it's it's a wonderful release and relaxation. And uh, when I hear some of my friends say that they spend time watching QP every day, I tell them I use that hour to practice the cello. So you have discovered your serenity now, as the senior Costanza used to say. Let me let me well, we can get serious in a second. But the cello, is it like that? Nobody, everybody loves to live next door to to like a violinist or someone that plays in the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra or what have you. Um, but if and, and God bless the young kids. But if you live next door to someone learning the violin, it can be a painful first year or so uh is the cello any different i get you probably live on an acreage though so this is probably not an issue i i i unfortunately i inflict the sound primarily on my long-suffering wife yes, okay. and uh, but she's been she's been very good about it and and you know it's fun it actually is a lot of fun but ryan the concern that we have today and and the reason you know that we're speaking today and that all albertans is is our absolute fury at the failure the epic failure of integrity and character in our current government. And, you know, at two levels, uh, at the level of the MLAs and in one case, cabinet minister who felt that it was okay to ignore uh, what all other Albertans knew upfront that there were public health directives to avoid non-essential travel. It was very basic. And it's not something that should have had to be given as a directive from the premier, it's something that Albertans knew. And, and I think this is what makes Albertans so angry. You talked in your opening about some of the uh, sacrifices that Albertans have made, whether it's you know getting together over Christmas over Zoom, which is what, what our family did, is we, we had a Zoom call on Christmas day. Or, or you know, having to say goodbye to loved ones over, over FaceTime. I can't, can't even imagine, you know, the pain of that. And, and then we have, you know, somehow MLAs and, and cabinet ministers who thought, well, no, it's okay to go on holidays because it's, it's a family tradition. It boggles the mind. And what every organization needs, and we have them in our caucus and, and just every organization needs, is that quiet voice, that person who's prepared to put up their hand and say, folks, this is wrong. We should be rethinking this. If anybody's considering doing this, it's wrong. And the fact that that didn't happen has to be tremendously concerning to all Albertans because this government is also being put in charge of the greatest uh, you know, challenge in government that our province has seen in decades. I mean, we had the Southern Alberta floods in 2013. We had the Fort McMurray fires. These were major challenges and, and, and Albertans rose to those challenges because government took on the role of leading us out of them. Uh, our current government has fumbled the ball terribly on handling the COVID crisis. And now we are in a situation where we're being told that all of those uh, you know, that personal responsibility. Well, we don't need rules because people will take personal responsibility. 
uh, and now we're being told, well, you know, they, they didn't break any rules. So everything is good. Uh, you know, this is just wrong. So, I mean, there's a failure on behalf of the MLAs and the, and the staff members and, and, you know, that they were so politically tone deaf that they didn't see that this was an issue. And, and when the premier responded on the 1st of January, that uh, was an epic failure of leadership. Absolutely epic. Um, leaders set the tone from the top. Whether you're the CEO of a major corporation or a coach of a hockey team or, or the president of a church congregation, leaders set the tone from the top. Leaders set very specific expectations. And when those expectations are not followed through, they take decisive action. And that's, that's not happened. It's an epic, epic failure of leadership. You served Albertans uh, under Premier Salson Redford and Dave Hancock as Minister of Tourism, Parks and Recreation. Uh, mm-hmm. You've sat in cabinet. Do you find yes. it believable? Do you believe Jason Kenney when he says that he did not know, he was unaware that his Minister of Municipal Affairs was in Hawaii and that his Chief of Staff was in the UK? Absolutely impossible. Absolutely categorically impossible. Uh, I mean, I, I traveled as Minister of Tourism, obviously, and I had a couple of occasions where I traveled out of country or even out of province. Mm-hmm. There were, as, as Thomas Lukasik outlined, there are forms that have to be filled out. There is a chain of command that has to be maintained and a chain of communications that has to be maintained throughout that time. It, it is absolutely impossible. And I mean, especially, especially the chief of staff. Oh, my goodness. You're joined at the hip with your chief of staff. Yeah. I mean, that's bullshit. You know, the, the, the whole idea that, that, you know, the premier was unaware that his chief of staff was traveling to the UK is, is just beyond the pale. There's just no way that anyone can believe that. So, Richard, I, I uh, as, as part of my opening, um, <laughs> which was almost 90 minutes, I'll acknowledge, but my opening today, um, I, I referenced uh, a proud Alberta conservatives. And, and I know that there are many that are watching and listening live right now. And I know that there are thousands that will be listening to this podcast. They're proud and they should be proud and they've worked hard and they've mm-hmm. knocked on doors and they've impacted change and they've contributed to their communities. But we know because we've seen it many times. Our memories are not that short. We know that Alberta conservatives and I won't call them fickle, but they can respond with force when they feel like they're being disrespected, when they feel like they're being taken for granted and when they feel like their party has lost its way. What's your message to small C conservatives in Alberta this morning? Well, I'd like to point out that I still consider myself a conservative, but I've always considered myself a progressive conservative. You and me both. And the reason that I, the reason I couldn't find a home in, in the UCP is because it was very clear from the outset that the UCP wanted nothing to do with being progressive. And, and that's a problem to me. I, I believe that the governments of Peter Lougheed and the premiers that followed did their best when they were both progressive and conservative. So to the many, many hundreds of thousands of Albertans who have voted conservative in the past, who have supported conservative parties of one stripe or another in the past, 
um, you need to get in touch, as you've said, with your elected officials and elected officials. Um, and even if they're not your representative, if you're not represented by a UCP MLA, uh, you should get the list that they're readily available on the government's website and email or write a letter or make a phone call to every single UCP MLA and say, you know, what is going on here and why aren't you standing up for Albertans? Uh, why are you defending the behavior of your colleagues, which is, is, is inexcusable? And why aren't you demanding more decisive action from your leader? What's your message to the backbench MLAs, the ministers that we haven't heard from, those that are concerned about their own political futures as much or even more so than the future of the party? Do the right thing. Worry less about your own political future. That, that should be the lowest, absolutely the lowest consideration. You know, what your own political skin will happen. That, if, if, that, if you put that as your, as your priority, you're in it for the wrong reason. Do the right thing for Albertans. And if the right thing for Albertans in your judgment is to call out the bad behavior of your colleagues and to, you know, indicate to the premier either directly or indirectly that you feel that the reaction or the response that he made was in, inadequate, was not, more than inadequate, was totally inappropriate, then you have to speak up. And that takes courage. Uh, let me tell you, I know that takes courage and, and it, it can be a lonely experience sitting as an independent on the other side of the house, not having the government perks and all the other things. But that's a decision sometimes that has to be made. You know, it's a, it's a phrase maybe we've kind of avoided using in recent years, but you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And, and you look at yourself in the mirror and decide if that's something that you can live with. I'll say this. Premier Jim Prentice was right about that. A lot of people didn't like to hear it. People don't like being told to look in the mirror, but he was right. And I think it's good advice today as well. Uh, Dr. Starkey, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to connect with you. Uh, we, we, we will connect down the line. I'm looking forward to you uh, joining this Real Talk roster and wish you and yours, your family, uh, your dear family, a wonderful start to 2021. Thank you for this. Thanks, Ryan, very much. And good luck with the show. Thank you. You can email us anytime, talk at ryanjesperson.com. We're going to be talking to Jackie Fenske in just a second. Uh, she's the interim leader of the Alberta Party, a former progressive conservative MLA, as you know. Uh, longtime Alberta politician, as a matter of fact, at different levels. She's got municipal experience. Uh, she can comment on a lot. Dan Fox just reached out to us. He actually just CC'd us. This is not, he says, Ryan, a, a big fan of the show, big fan of Real Talk. He said the province has long needed a platform where true discussion can be had. He says, I'm sure that you're being bombarded with correspondence from outraged Albertans. We are, <laughs> he said. But I wanted to share with you an email I sent to the premier's office. I want to read a portion of it. This is an everyday Albertan. I don't know him. Dan Fox. I appreciate him reaching out. He says, I, he says, premier, I'd like to start this letter by saying it's very rare for me to, to write a politician to state my personal opinion. But given the abhorrent conduct of you and your government, I am compelled to contact you to express my dissatisfaction of your government as a lifelong resident of Alberta. Thirty seven years. I have not seen a more bungled, ham fisted response to a major crisis. While other provinces have handled COVID-19 with sound, science-driven judgment, a rational approach, BC, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, even Ontario, even Ontario, he says, your administration has treated this crisis as some weird political battle where partisanship and ideology drives the decisions that are being made. From picking fights with doctors 
to announcing plans to outsource portions of our medical system during a pandemic, to delaying announcing restrictions due to your ideology on personal freedoms. Your administration's actions have purposefully denigrated the very people who are on the front lines battling this virus and have put the lives of many Albertans and the economy at risk. Writes Dan, but what really takes the cake after your government finally enacts restrictions to prevent a total collapse of our medical system, your cabinet and caucus feel that they can flout the guidance of your own experts and jet set off to tropical ports of call while the rest of Alberta stays home following advice that you said that we should follow. Though the actions of traveling abroad for non-essential travel are not technically illegal, the choice of these elected representatives who should be held to a higher standard to travel abroad shows a complete lack of judgment and no moral conscience. And to make matters worse, once this is discovered, you do nothing to sanction this inexcusable behavior. You allow these people to continue to sit at the cabinet table for now and within your government. You and your party regularly use the term elites to denigrate your opposition. Laurentian elites, urban elites, Brock Harrison's famous quote about Twitter elites. I dare him to tweet that again ever. Dan says, I can say that the displayed indifference and the morally bankrupt behavior of you and your government have truly shown that elitism is alive and well within your ranks. Add this to the long list of other bungles your government has enacted since forming, stoking the fires of separation, bringing about a pointless referendum on equalization, to which I might add, says Dan, you were part of the cabinet, the federal cabinet that created that policy in Ottawa. Attempting to delist Alberta Parks, reversing our coal policy, creating and funding an energy war room, which has brought embarrassment to this province. Starting the process of gutting our education system, gutting our addictions treatment infrastructure vilifying those with opposing beliefs your veiled race baiting and the list goes on i can confidently say premier jason kenny that your administration has been the worst that alberta has ever seen in closing writes dan fox i would ask that you resign but you both know you and i that you won't do that what I can assure you is that I will make it my civic duty to join a party that represents my beliefs, help build it, I will help fund it, and I will make sure that I do whatever I can to ensure that you and your government will lose your bid for re-election in 2023. Thank you, Premier Kenny, for awakening me to the need to rise up and get rid of you and your incompetent government. That from Dan Fox. Now, I want to direct you to ryanjesperson.com because that's where you'll find our question of the week. We spoke with Dr. Peter Silverstone, Kim Knoll, registered psychologist, about last week's, we call it our get real, our question of the week, where, where many of you give us a couple minutes of your time and you get real on a question that matters to people. And I want, we want to get a thousand people signed up to do this each and every week. It's a two minute commitment. The show will be more rich for it. We have over 400 signed up now, and that's after five weeks. But we'd really like to get that number up to a thousand. This week's question of the week, in partnership with Y Station, our official research and strategy partner, we're asking you to weigh in on this. Albertans have been shocked. Here's the question to learn that while they were restricted from seeing family over the holiday season at the end of a difficult year, UCP leaders and political staff were jetting off to international destinations despite public health guidance to avoid non-essential international travel. We want to know how you're reacting to this scandal. In light of the sacrifices you have undoubtedly made to follow public health advice in order to protect your community. 
We'll be monitoring your responses through this week. And then early next week, next Monday, we'll review what you've told us. Now, a lot can happen between now and then. There's a lot that's going to happen today. There's a lot that's going to happen this week. But we'll continue to keep an eye. And don't forget, you can write longer form comments here if you want us to be able to extrapolate more from your perspective. I encourage you to participate in some real talk as part of our question of the week. Jackie Fenske is the interim leader of the Alberta party, uh, described, I think, by many that try to pin it down on the spectrum as a center, center right political party. Jackie, a former progressive conservative MLA, a former municipal politician and a good friend of this show. Welcome and a happy new year to you. Happy new year to you. And uh, thanks for having us, having me on your show. It's been Wait, the 2021 already. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, first of all, before we go any further, have, have I have I placed you and, and your party, the party you're, you're leading on an interim basis in, in the proper place on the political spectrum? Or, or Yes. If you're talking about political spectrum, certainly. But what we like to say, people go, well, then that's the the, the middle. Um, what we like to say is that we take we take the right um, ideas and the right policies. Sometimes they will be further from the left on the spectrum, sometimes further from the right. And it's the average when you look at it that the everyday Albertan, that's how they live their lives. Um, so that's that's where we are with the Alberta party. So, Jackie, what do you I mean, uh, you know, when I when I say what do you make of this all? Um, it took me about an hour and a half to get through my thoughts. And I feel like I left a lot on the table. I could talk about this all day and we'll talk about this in the days and, and weeks to come. But but how is all of this landing with you? Oh, definitely. And, and a part of it is deja vu. So I just want to before I even go into that, I did have um some of our members send me some messages this morning and they really wanted to, me to take this opportunity to thank Albertans who actually have demonstrated personal responsibility yeah. and stayed home and, and changed their plans. And uh, so I do want to give a shout out to them because we know that most Albertans did do that. Uh, but uh, very dismayed at our um, politicians. Well, well Jackie, and that's, that's, that's why people are so pissed off. Like, like if you, if, if, if I went to Maui with my family and the, and everything was going gangbusters with vaccine rollout and everybody was getting vaccinated and everybody was healthy and the ICUs were empty, uh, then I, I'm not sure I would mind. I mean, if, if I hadn't canceled my plans, if neighbors hadn't canceled their plans, if, if people hadn't even crossed the street to mix and mingle on their front doorsteps with their neighbors, I'm not sure that people would be so angry right now. I agree with you. And I, it's it's an issue. It's kind of like the $16 orange juice. People know how much orange juice was supposed to cost. People know what they've had to give up to be able to, um, to do their part in this pandemic. And they expect our leaders to, to lead by example. And that's not what we've had. I mean, uh, Kenny, when he did his first idea of recall, spoke endlessly about public trust. Well, there is no trust. And you talked about it earlier in your show, Ryan. You have to rebuild that trust, and they're going to have to work very hard. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Alberta Party is going to be asking later today and sending a a, um, a letter to Rachel Notley to ask for a return motion because I think the trust has to be built no matter what they say, the UCP right now. Are you going to believe that uh, they're telling you the truth, that your particular MLA was where 
we're led to believe because they did a Christmas message or a, a New Year's message. And, you know, I mean, the background's the same. They've changed their 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 uh, sweater and they've just rolled it off when it was supposed to be rolled off. I've asked, uh, tagged my MLA several times. I mentioned to her friends. I said, uh, why isn't she coming out if and saying where she was and standing up for the rest of Albertans? And, and Richard talked about it as well. We expect our politicians to take a stand. Uh, lived through that in the Allison Redford days. And I know, just as Richard said, it's not easy to stand up to your caucus. It's not easy to stand up to your premier. But we did not elect, gut, well, we, we hope we didn't elect gutless representatives. We expect them to do what's right for Alberta. And that means standing out and calling this out. It's just too, uh, it's, it's arrogant and it's, Full of hypocrisy. We expect our leaders to be held to a higher standard. Jackie, so are, you, uh, are you? Are uh, you? <laughs> are you where I think you might be right now? Are you? You're running your business right now, right? Yes. That, and yes. those are those are pie plates that we hear crashing together uh, because actually, you, it's the business <laughs> next door making noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's the business next door. But are you at Fife and Deckel right now? Yes. Because, yes. Okay. So. So people, people in, in, in some parts of the province may not be familiar with Fife and Deco, but you are like, I mean, you're, you're like a better, I, don't, I hope you don't wince at this. This is a compliment, but you're a better grandma Lee's like you guys do like the custom, amazing, uh, home-baked bread sandwiches with like sprouts and black forest hammer. Your tuna salad is, mwah! you, I mean, your, your, your butter tarts and your, your rhubarb and Saskatoon berry pies are insane. Um, I know that a lot of people, uh, have Fife and Deckel as part of their holiday tradition. Um, and I would imagine, I would suspect that your business, I mean, I, I know that you're a, you know, you're a veteran entrepreneur and I'm sure that you've done everything you can to keep your doors open, but your business has experienced disruption. We haven't even touched on today the entrepreneurs that are sitting here going, what the hell? <laughs> like I voluntarily, either I voluntarily closed my doors or I complied with these directives. What the hell? Well, and that's what's going to be a problem come uh, when uh, when we're expecting Jason, uh, Premier Kenny, to make an announcement later in the next uh, week or two about saying, are we going back? What what are we expecting of businesses? And I'm hearing and seeing, and I'm sure you are too on social media, people saying, well, why should I comply anymore? I mean, our elected officials aren't. It's a do not ask others to do what you will not do if you're a leader. So, I mean, so here you are. Uh, as, as interim leader of the Alberta party. And, and, and I know that the, the party is, is gearing up look, looking, I mean, obviously you want to get a permanent leader installed. You got, um, you know, fundraising uh, that you're going to want to do, and, and you're going to want to make sure that you have enough time to uh, make a meaningful impression on Albertans before we head back to the polls, whenever that may be, I, you know, I would I suspect at this point, and I would suggest that there's absolutely no reason for Jason Kenny to call an early election. I mean, it would be a, it would, it would be an unprecedented display of chutzpah if, if if you were to call an election before he absolutely had to here, um, I've seen a lot of people. I've seen some different opinions. I've seen some different assertions over the weekend. Some are saying, hey, listen, we can't mess around here. We can't split votes here when it comes to progressive conservatives, people in the center, people center left. We need to come together. Everyone says you got to either take your vote. If you're not voting UCP, you got to vote NDP. And other people are saying, hey, we, we've not seen a better opportunity for the Alberta party here to really make some noise, to really make a splash 
Uh, I would suspect you're probably not going to tell people to take their votes to the NDP. So what's the argument to start supporting the Alberta party to buy a membership today? Well, the argument is certainly do that. And we've had people reaching out to us in the last uh, since January 1st, since Jason's announcement, saying, how do I get involved? Uh, I want to run in my constituency. I want to work towards setting up our constituencies. And uh, I know Matthew Preston, my chief of staff, has fielded a lot of those calls and Conrad Gay as well. So, uh, yes, reach out, let us know. And um, when we talk about what's happening in the legislature, there was actually a letter released uh, just prior to the new year, I believe it was uh, one of the mayors in central Alberta uh, saying he's sick and tired of the two parties fighting against each other and they're not sitting down and they're not talking and trying to find solutions for all Albertans. So this isn't working. We're missing the reasoned uh debate and discussion from additional voices in the legislature. I think Greg Clark, think Karen McPherson, uh, Rick Fraser. There were things that um, that these individuals brought forward to the ruling government at the time, and they got amendments in legislation to make things better for Albertans. And right now what we're getting is uh, a lack of decorum. So we're saying, hey, here's your chance. And yes, we welcome you with, with open arms because uh, frankly, you know, it's not so much the travel, Ryan. I mean, as you said, they can go. It's I think it's the insult um, that Jason Kenney saying, well, I'm going to take responsibility, but there are no actions to those words. We don't trust him. Uh, not even his written guarantees do we trust anymore. No. But yeah, there, there have to be actions to consequences. So what's he going to do? Is he going to uh, pay uh, part of his salary for the 14-day uh, quarantine period that each of these individuals have to do? Is he going to go work in a long-term care uh, facility because they're short of staff to make up, uh, you know, to show some kind of amends? People expect uh, actual action, and they expect this to be taken seriously. So um, I, I just think it's insulting when they say, well, it's tradition, or we're going to support WestJet. Hey, I got a business too. Stay home and spend your money in Alberta. Yeah, the the, the whole like supporting WestJet thing was just to me. Um, maybe we'll play that audio again after after you and I chat, Jackie. I just couldn't believe it. It was. It's hard to tell whether it's the premier of a province with a travel advisory in effect or a WestJet executive. It's really hard to tell who it is. Uh, he's talking about the importance of air travel, how it's it's safer to travel uh, on an airplane than it is to go to the grocery store. All he's doing is empowering. There, there are the people that 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 believe COVID is a hoax. Uh, let's be honest. Um, they're they're causing scenes in grocery stores. They're walking in with no mask. They don't give a shit. Uh, they they're they're they haven't changed anything. They're proudly throwing parties. They had their whole family together for Christmas. Doesn't matter to them. Then there are the people on, on the complete opposite side that, that haven't gone anywhere. I mean, there are people that have emptied their freezers and they're going to the back of the pantry and they've been limiting as much. They, they, they can't even think about, the, about going out in public. And then there's a whole bunch of people in the middle, right? There's a whole bunch of people in the middle that are going, yeah, I'm, I'm like down to participate and, 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 you know, in what society's doing here. And I believe in the important measures, but also like, you know, I, I, I would love to get away. And I mean, there's there's people I know personally. I know people personally, Jackie, that are out of country right now. I have friends personally right now in Hawaii. I have friends personally right now in Mexico 
I sent the messages over the weekend and said, you, you know, as a family, we're concerned about you. And, you know, people are saying you might want to pull down your photos right now. Uh, if you've not taken the temperature of Alberta, it is a feverish 106. Uh, the mercury is busting through the top of the thermometer. You may want to pull your photos down. But, but there are people right now that are going, I heard it straight from the premier's office. Jason Kenney gets briefed every morning, right? Binders and binders of information. He knows what the situation is with doctors. He knows what the situation is with respiratory therapists. He knows what the, what the inventory looks like with ventilators. He knows what the vaccine reality is. Um, and he knows or should know, we hope, the forecasted implication of this on our population and on our economy for months to come. And he basically did a big free fucking commercial for WestJet and told everybody that's not that big of a deal. And that big group in the middle that can be swayed either way, guess what? They're not canceling their travel plans now. They're going to travel. And guess what? COVID-19 will continue to persist as a problem in Alberta. And when it comes to how angry I am or what angers me about this, that's what angers me. Jason Kenney didn't just give a pass to his staff, didn't just give a pass to his cabinet and his ministers and his MLAs. He gave a pass to the thousands of Albertans that were probably going to bend to the pressure around them and not travel. And now they're going to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's so sad. And, um, you know, like, let's not Let's get back to his chief of staff flying to the UK and finding a reason, a way to circumvent the rules of the day and fly through the United States. That took some strategy and some shuts by, I would say. And, um, you know, if, if he can do it, why can't I do it? Let's let's not worry about the rest of the world. I just am livid. I can't I can't believe that a leader would do these types of things. Um, and the change is going to have to come from within. And it's not just going to be Tracy Allard's head that has to roll. Uh, frankly, we have an active group in Grand Prairie, <clears throat> our constituency association, and they created that um, the, the signage welcoming uh, um, um, Tracy back, Minister Allard back. Yeah. And uh, a couple of things, people, just like you're saying, people want to send you messages and they need to, to vent and they need to get this off their chest, people were writing cards and putting cards on those Christmas trees. And we got emails from people saying, thank you for doing this because I had no other, nothing else I could do this weekend to be able to, uh, to vent and voice my, my opinion. So uh, people are looking for that, but it doesn't stop at Tracy Allard. Uh, yes, I know she's in cabinet, but uh, let's talk about Jeremy Nixon, who is the parliamentary secretary. Uh, he's got a position. Let's talk about uh, committee chairs who are um, who may have traveled as well. We need to get to the bottom of this and find out exactly who traveled and what their new lame excuse bullshit excuse is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, there's uh, there are a couple of people uh, on Twitter that have been doing a, a pretty admirable job of trying to keep an ongoing list here. Um, Stacy, uh, it's funny. I think everyone just knows her as Blurg on Twitter, Blurg Five, or whatever on Twitter. But, but so, I, but like, so she's had to keep updating her list because there's more and more coming out. And this is just, I mean, Jackie, I think of the people 
I think of the elected representatives, whether they're, you know, MLAs, ministers, uh, whether they're chiefs of staff, press secretaries, there are people sweating bullets right now, sweating bullets. And they're going to want to get ahead of this like Tanya Fur did. I think Tanya Fur was kind of like, um, hey, everybody, happy new year. And also, by the way, I visited my sister in Las Vegas. Um, and then, you know, and then you've got Tanny Yao, uh, the, the MLA out of Fort McMurray, the government, uh, by way of a spokesperson, um, Tim Gerwing, says they actually don't even know where he is, but they're trying to contact him. Uh, Jason Stefan out of Red dear i'm not sure if you read his facebook post he, he doesn't apologize whatsoever uh, he actually says that he doesn't think it's in a public post says he actually doesn't think that he doesn't believe in government mandates that limit people to travel and you know he sort of offered the sorry if you were offended apology um you you've got michael forian and elisa snyder press secretaries for education advanced education the couple that went to hawaii and posted it on instagram and kind of kicked off this shit nato uh you've got the chief of staff jamie huckabee i mentioned tanya for jeremy nixon tracy allard pat rain the mla out of lesser slave lake i've heard from more people in slave lake than i've heard from in any other part of the province that's no joke on this they know about pat rain they sniffed out pat rain months ago when they found out that his he's got a house in red deer and that he lives and works in texas they say they haven't even i, I was up in in lesser slave uh, over the summer people were coming out i actually talked to pat rain uh he was actually spilling the beans all over the place because he didn't know who i was uh it was amazing i was just taking i was just scooping scooping the information into my bag to to sort through it later uh but but i mean t- like people in lesser slave lake have not had legitimate political representation for since the election i mean that's a parachute candidate right there so there's a bigger story there with pat rain and 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 shit's hitting the fan there rumor is on the street uh from a very reliable source in in lesser slave lake that 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 guy's gonna have a hard time getting his nomination paper signed if he seeks re-election so i mean the list goes on i think today we're probably going to see if we haven't seen i mean i'll be honest we're sort of flying in the clouds a little bit because we're live here and we only have so many monitors in front of us i don't know if minister allard has resigned yet but there's word that she will i mean ultimately you have to wonder at at what point mlas like michaela glasgow the the young mla out of southern alberta come forward and say i i mean these i'm paraphrasing this is these are not her exact words but like I observed the rules, right? MLAs are coming forward and saying, this is not, like, I'm not part of this. Don't loot me. Don't group me in with this group. And ultimately, what are the implications there? Well, if you were a backbench MLA and you were not involved in travel, wouldn't you be standing up and saying that right now? Well, except and for we the are- fact, Jackie, except for the fact that everybody's so terrified of Jason Kenny. Well, that's where the change is going to have to come in. He's terrified of the Nixon brothers. So let's just let it roll out and see what happens. Yeah, you really think so? You think Jason Kenney sweats the Nixon brothers, really? Didn't we just have a change in the last month or so of Jason Nixon's position? Who's the new whip? Uh, Mike Ferris now. Ah, okay. Jackie Fenske giving us something to, something to <laughs> think about. Um, before we thank you for your time and let you get back to running your business in the middle of a pandemic, um, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure that we mention? Well, I mean, let's go back to, to earlier. People are looking for uh, options, things to do. Uh, certainly, as you and Richard had said, make sure you write your MLAs. Uh, Writing, emailing is far better and more effective than Twitter. And uh, we uh, welcome you with open arms at the Alberta Party. We've got some great announcements coming in Q1. And uh, we, I mean, we're working hard to present an alternative because 
uh, it's not working today. All right. Jackie Fenske is the interim leader of the Alberta Party, uh, former Strathcona County Councilor, former progressive conservative MLA and, and, a, and a renowned Alberta entrepreneur. It's nice to see your face and a happy new year to you and your family, Jackie. Happy new year to you and good luck with the show as well. Ron. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh I, uh, uh, Justin on our, I'm just, I just noticed this. I, I love our YouTube, the, the real time live commentary. This is great. By the way, to have 2000 people watching right now, live, uh, about 20 minutes past our scheduled end time, uh, indicates to me that you guys just want to hang out right now, uh, which I have, I haven't officially cleared this with Sam, but I think we're okay to hang out for a little while here. Um, d- this is a story obviously that we'll be providing, uh, in-depth coverage on for days and weeks and months to come, obviously. Uh, but this comment here is, is an interesting one from Justin. Justin, who says, I wonder if you guys could could address the fact that Devin Dreeshin, uh, Alberta's ag minister, made a joke out of the situation on his Instagram uh, by tagging a post as being in St. Bart's. Uh, Kenny also responded to that post saying, amazing. Um, I don't know. I, have, I haven't seen that. I'll take your word for it, Justin. Um, I did notice that Devin Dreeshin did what I wouldn't blame him to do, which was a post of, I don't know if you saw this, but I did see that he tweeted out a a video of him coming in doing a hockey stop. And he said, I'm looking for your tips. I'm looking for your tips on shoveling an outdoor rink. What are your outdoor rink tips? Which to me was just like, that's like a subtle way of saying, that's like me like posing in front of like Rogers Place in downtown Edmonton with big land or the Walterdale Bridge behind me or something being like, hey, uh, just just checking in to just kind of see... Just just checking in to say hi with this uh, copy of the Edmonton Journal in my hand with today with today's date on it and the and the bridge in the background. That that's what that was. But I I haven't seen the Instagram post. Um, now let's let's you know be honest. St. Bart's is is probably a reference. Uh, I would imagine to Ontario's finance minister, uh, Rod Phillips, who really stepped in this. Uh, his story though, who thought? Who would have thought like two years ago, when? Doug Ford was, uh, I mean, I'm going off the top of my head. My, sometimes I'm off on dates. I always say to my friends, like, how, how old's your little guy now? Is he six? And they're always like, Jesperson, he's 11. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not great with dates. But when Doug Ford sought the leadership of, of Ontario's conservative party, you know, against, um, you know, Mulroney and, and the others, um, um, I, I, it was that two, three years ago, something like that. Imagine if people would have said, hey, two and a half, three years down the road, the country, uh, the world, the world will be uh, fighting and 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 pers- persevering uh, in the face of a global pandemic that, that is killing hundreds of thousands of people, including tens of thousands of Canadians when it's all said and done. And Jason Kenney and Doug Ford will both be premiers of Alberta and Ontario, respectively. Uh, Jason Kenney will be bumbling around, mired in scandal, while Doug Ford, for the most part, will be hitting it out of the park. Would you believe them? Of course you wouldn't. Now, don't fact check me too hard here. Really, Ryan, Doug Ford hitting it out of the park? Okay, maybe not. But the bar is set so low right now that when Doug Ford makes obvious decisions, he looks brilliant. Like when your finance minister, Rod Phillips, who quite frankly is, is a, was a shining star of that cabinet, it was a coup to get that guy as the finance minister. You know, it's, it's kind of reminded me in a way, uh, and again, I, it, once you start making comparisons and metaphors and things, you can get in a world of trouble. Um, 
but not unlike Bill Morneau, federally speaking. You've you've got a finance. It's like Paul Martin. You've got these finance ministers that that like know what the hell they're doing. They've built you know businesses worth hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. They understand markets. They're savvy when it comes to balance sheets and all of the types of things that you would expect a finance minister to be good at. Rod Phillips is not a bad finance minister. He made a very bad decision to travel with his family. It was a pretty obvious decision for Doug Ford to relieve him of that position, to make sure that that he resigned, to make sure that he was done. Now, it's not just United Conservative politicians, though, that have done this, that have raised the ire of Canadians. Uh, Nikki Ashton, the the prominent uh, New Democrat MP, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but I'm pretty sure she's out of Manitoba. She is out of Manitoba, uh, traveled to Greece uh, to visit her ailing grandmother. I'm not going to poke fun at somebody who has an ailing grandmother. That's horrible. But I will suggest that there are hundreds of thousands of Canadians with ailing grandmothers. What makes Nikki Ashton so special that she gets to travel to Greece? You know, Pierre Arcand, uh, Kamal Kara, the liberal MP out of Brampton. Again, tragedy struck her family. A loved one died. She traveled to Seattle to attend the memorial service. Do I want to pile on her? On MP Caro to Brampton, who's grieving the loss of a family member? No. But guess what? Thousands of people lost family members and held funeral services over Zoom. That's one liberal MP. Another one, Samir Zuberi out of Montreal, an MP out of Montreal, this one, visited his wife's sick grandfather. Now, I'm, again, I got to be careful here. I want to be responsible. I've, I've really made an effort this morning to be responsible with my tone, to be calm, measured, fair. But I'm not going to bullshit you. There's nothing funny or joke worthy about Samir Zuberi and his family situation, but your wife's grandfather, really? He had to visit his wife's sick grandfather in Delaware for 13 days. There are others. Ron Leipert, the, the, the progressive, I mean, he's a, obviously a former minister himself in Alberta's provincial politics. He's a conservative MP now at a Calgary. Everybody in Alberta knows the name Ron Leipert. Traveled to his house in Palm Desert at least twice. His staff is saying, I mean, I just, I love this. This is the same as Sonia. I don't love it, actually. You get what I'm saying. If I was a speechwriter for Rachel Notley, I would love it. You know, Sonia Savage and her home in, in British Columbia, her vacation home, and Ron Leipert, his home in Palm Desert, both of them, both of their offices saying this was this was essential travel. There was essential house maintenance issues that needed to be tended to. Uh, anybody I know that has a house in Palm Desert or Phoenix or uh, anywhere outside of the province of Alberta has a number on speed dial so if the pipes burst or if there's a break-in or if there's a fire typically the next door neighbor can come in with the key they have and tend to it ron leipert did not travel to palm desert because the grass was getting too long and he had to mow his lawn sonia savage says she had to travel to bc to check on there was pipeline there was not pipe like don't get me wrong not jobs economy pipelines, but there, there was infrastructure, like drainage or something. There were, there were pipe repairs going on, and she had to go take a look. Okay. This all comes down to the trust. I mean, perhaps Sonia Savage is right. You know, I, I don't feel bad for anybody, but who I might 
be compelled to feel just a tiny, just a tiny bit bad for the people who are being honest. You know, maybe someone that says I had I had to drive out to Sycamuse because our place there, I had to drive out to the shoe shop because because literally we had 18 inches of water in the basement. And like my my grandfather's old grand piano was in there and we had to and there was this was an absolute crisis in our in our holiday season was a nightmare. And we were there with rubber boots on and sump pumps and like it was not glamorous. And there might be those people in those scenarios now, but guess what? Nobody will believe you. Nobody will believe you about your tall tale or your accurate story about where you were and why over the holidays. Nobody's going to believe you about things that you've told them over the past couple of years. And sure as hell, nobody's going to believe you about what you're going to try to sell them on today or tomorrow or the next day. So what happens when a government loses the public trust and loses credibility. It's what happens when an entire population, an entire province, four and a half million people believe that the premier is looking them in the eye and lying to them. That's what happens. Sam, let's take a look at, at more of what people have been telling us over the weekend. We want to give you the floor here. You can use the hashtag RealTalkRJ. You can tweet at us anytime. You can send me emails to talk at RyanJesperson.com. Ian says self-interest has been Kenny's modus operandi for years, like from his from his Taxpayers Federation days, right? Like like to, to, to his time, what do you say? Sycophancy? Was that sycophancy? 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 His Harper sycophancy. Let me. Let me. Let me. Sounds like sycophancy to me. Sycophancy. Well, because the the noun would be a sycophant. Yeah, so a that sycophant, makes sense. which yeah. is like a bootlicker. Yeah, like a, like an like an unapologetic apologist. There's a there's a paradigm for you. <laughs> he says it's always. Ian says it's always been about being the boss. Nothing about public service. Uh, disgusting and very consistent. Something about a leopard and spots. What about this from Julie Rohr, a good friend of this program? She says, "Hold me back." She says, I want to throw my computer out the window, but I won't, though, so I can hear your show on Monday. What the premier just did is unacceptable. This is on the heels of his announcement. You can see there, January 1st, that was at 1.33 p.m. That was right after his, I mean, yeah. I was going to talk about him showing up late, but I, but out of respect for the Calgary Police Service and that horrific tragedy down in Calgary, I'm going to give Jason Kenney the benefit of the doubt. We heard from Thomas earlier today. He says, I mean, he, basically, he says, I mean, he's going to have to fire like a third of his staff. Many senior staffers, if he found about, you know, I mean, if this is if this is the precedent he sets with Allard firing her. Mitch says, I wish I could take my vote back. He says, I will never elect another United Conservative candidate given the performance of this government since day one. It's an embarrassment. The only thing they've proved is that the old boys club is in full swing with no regard for the rest of Alberta. <laughs> Do you pronounce this? Fuck. I think that's how I pronounce that name at the top. Fuck. Hey, coach, who are we playing tonight? Oogie Ogotorp. Fuck. Well, it took 30 years, says fuck. Took 30 years, but there's finally somebody more despised around here, more than Peter Pocklington. Well earned, Jason Kenny. Hey, now keep in mind, uh, this is a show that airs uh, internationally. Obviously, we have people that told us that they were staying up late in South Korea to watch this morning's show. But but there were some people that were never upset with Peter Pocklington, Calgary Flames fans included. A lot of people were actually loved Peter Pocklington. But I think the city of Edmonton is reconciled with Peter Pock. Hey, the Oilers included him in an on ice ceremony honoring Glenn Sather when when slats went up into the rafters. I think the city of I, I, I don't know. Uh, has, has have what's your you told me something about Kelly 
your partner in life, your my, beautiful my fiance. From, <clears throat> yeah, my partner from BC when we were getting this stuff ready, and and uh, no, she just she she basically just said she's like, well, who's Peter Pocklington? Like, this is a name I've never heard before, and I yes. gave her the. Ah, uh, the beef, pri- the brief primer on it, and how you know most of his ill will. I mean, you got to remember before he was the Oilers owner, there was a lot of fraud. There was a lot of stuff that he didn't quite atone for. There was a lot of activity that uh, was specific. like uh, Peter Pocklington. I think uh, the way I described it to Kelly is Peter Punk- Pocklington just sort of became a a stand-in or a punchline for any time something shady is going down in Alberta. Yeah. Let's get back to the I want to uh, we, we have so many of these. I, I just I hope that this is cathartic for you. Um, this is what the public's saying. Chris Turner is a, a talented author down in Calgary. I encourage you to check out his books. Give him a follow. Um, <laughs> this was he, he tweeted this live on uh, this was while Kenny was speaking or shortly thereafter. I think it was right when he was speaking and he said, I'm not watching. <laughs> I'm not watching because of Jason Kenny's smarmy bleat makes me want to break things. But honest to God, the issue is not that air travel is especially dangerous, but that the cabinet minister violated her own government's directives to the public. And then he then he's so pissed. He says at 1 p.m. on New Year's Day and I'm already making typos in all caps because the UCP is the worst in any year. The only thing worse then spelling mistakes in a tweet is spelling mistakes in a tweet when you're a published author. Right, Chris? Okay, here's what more of you had to say. Mark, I guess if you initially won your leadership under sketchy pretense, then many things seem acceptable. You know, he says, I often wonder how many closet rats there are on that team. You know, if Kenny fires the wrong person, the canaries start singing. Katie Ingram, business person here in Edmonton, owns a couple of owns Cartago and Fleisch Delicatessen says, I lobbied this government to shut down restaurants to save lives. I'm fucking furious, says Katie Ingram. Heidi says, Jason Kenny won't, though. I'm trying to remember what this this was in response to something I had tweeted. I, I, I think it was about resigning. Something about resigning, sure. yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd never uh, officially over the weekend called for Jason Kenny to resign, but you're right. It had, it had something like, you know, she said, yeah, he won't, though. His goal isn't to be ethical or do the right thing. His goal isn't even to lead well. His goal is power. We could have led with this tweet. I mean, this Heidi, Heidi absolutely nails it. Power. She says it's why he can gaslight us through an entire presser, knowing full well that Minister Allard wasn't the only one. He didn't even bat an eye. Luke Fevin says, Kenny supporters, remember we warned you this is what it would be like? This is what he's like? I remember a radio host in, in April of 2019 just going off. He's pretty much, it's, it's funny. It's like everything that he said has manifested itself in less than two years. Uh, Luke goes on to say, an absence of leadership. Did that radio host get a promotion? I wonder if being right. Uh, Luke says, an absence of leadership in a pandemic, pandering to his base, double standards in decisions and follow through unforgivable like Trump. We knew and we warned you. Jungle Gene, right after Kenny spoke on the 1st. Look at that, 1.34 p.m., January 1st. I'm actually shaking with rage right now. I didn't even know that that was a real thing. Look at this from a, a dual citizen. I haven't been to the States since before March of 2020. My parents are unable to come to Canada to meet their grandchildren that were born April 2020. Is that twins? Congratulations or more. Uh, says, meantime, certain politicians engage in vacationing in the middle of a pandemic. I have nothing but contempt. Scientific Albertan. It's nice that the United Conservatives can carry on their family traditions. Meanwhile, lonely Alberta families are staring at empty chairs. 
I happen to know that Scientific Albertan lost his wife this year and our deepest condolences to him. Goes on to say, I can understand now how the putrid entitlement of past elites led to revolution. He says, Jason Kenny, you're playing with fire. Counselor Aaron Stevenson out of the great city of Spruce Grove, Alberta. I have no words, none. I'm speechless. I'm more angry than I can possibly express at the moment. A gal by the name of Allison responds and says, I'm shaking. And the counselor goes on to say, I'm at a complete loss of words or even full sentences for what we just witnessed. I've never been so embarrassed by a premier than I am today. She's talking on January 1st. We got what Ottawa was glad to get rid of. And now we pay the price. Jill says, Kenny did it. He united the province. I don't think he, he, he I don't think he strictly meant for it to be united in blazing hatred of him, but credit where credit is due. That from Maximum Jill. North of the 49th says I live alone in Edmonton. I didn't go to my sister and brother-in-laws in Spruce Grove. I stayed alone. Even though I could have gone according to guidelines, I can't even imagine an out-of-country trip. That's one that you know, we haven't we haven't talked about Matt Wolf this morning the premier's executive director of issues management, quite frankly, because part of me, and I wanted to approach this with reason. I'm like, like I tweeted over the weekend. I'm, I'm glad that I had an opportunity to count to a million before today's show. If I would have been speaking with a lot of people were saying, do an impromptu real talk. Just, just get on there. You can stream anytime, go live, give us real talk on new year's day. I was so fucking angry that I probably would have got myself in trouble, even though we're independent broadcasters and I'm self-employed. I can still get in trouble. I would have got in trouble. And so I've been trying to sort of take this and, 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 and say, well, what's, what's the, what are the things that are really offensive here? What are the real issues? And I think we've identified them today. The tone-deaf nature of Minister Allard's trip, which is completely inexcusable. Premier Jason Kenney lying about not knowing about the whereabouts of his Minister of Municipal Affairs. And his chief of staff, nobody believes that. Nobody believes that, Jason Kenney. Nobody. And then there's the, there are the side stories that are kind of running parallel to this, like Kenny's executive directors of issues management, Matt Wolf, who's a, a polarizing figure. He, he's not a very likable guy, and he would take that as a compliment. He's not supposed to be likable. He doesn't want to be likable. He doesn't try to be likable. He traveled to Saskatchewan. To visit his parents. He stayed, he says, with only his parents. And then he returned home. Now, he did break the interprovincial travel advisory, the, the advisory against interprovincial travel. But, but a lot of people are saying, like, well, it's kind of different, right? Like Matt Wolf, like he went in. And then you sort of think, like, it's a guy with his two parents. See, these are these gray areas, right? When I talked about with Jackie Fenske, the, the gray area that I think probably the majority of Albertans are in. Maybe not, but close to a majority. Like there are the ones that are like, we literally, I mean, I've got one buddy that has not left his house, like literally. I mean, I think he's left his house three or four times in the whole pandemic. I'm not kidding. Now, he lives in a pretty sweet house, but still. I mean, the guy's like golfed every course on his virtual screens and everything, but still, still, he's dead serious about this. And then there are people that you know that call it the scamdemic and they don't believe in, you know, they don't they don't even think it's real and these are the, these are the frustrated, you know, these are the ones that, that can be really frustrating. And then there's that whole group in the middle, right? That are like, "Well, like is this okay? Is that okay?" Like you know, my kid can't play hockey, but but they can take individual skating lessons, so we're going to do that or like we can't gather outside, but we can skate on the outdoor rink. Like I've had my boy out on this on the outdoor rink. 
I have. Right? There have been times where we're like, you know, you can't gather in person, but like neighbors can talk over the fence, and we have. Like, you know, there, there are things that people have said, well, I like, you know, we're, we, we can't dine in restaurants, but we can do this, but how can we support restaurants? And, and there's outdoor patios, or can we do, and there, you know, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to get on board, but there's kind of gray areas. And Matt Wolf's is kind of that gray area, I guess, right? I mean, the whole interprovincial travel thing, sure, but, but I don't think the province would be outraged. I don't think the province is outraged. I mean, there's people that, that would love to see the demise of Matt Wolf. Don't get me wrong. And so anything that they have on him, they're going to seize the opportunity to maximize it. But Sam, do we happen to have that, that the tweet I just looked at? Is there, is there a way that that, are we past it or can we get it back up on the screen? So here's the point I'm making about Matt Wolf. If you're this person, if you're north of the 49th and you live alone in Edmonton, I don't know if Matt Wolf has a partner or a roommate, but he claims that he traveled. I don't know much about him, his personal life, but he says that he traveled by himself to Saskatchewan, only saw his parents and returned home. And you might go, well, that's not that big of a deal, is it? And it's probably not, is it? But what about north of the 49th? It says, I, I didn't even, I live alone. I didn't even go to my sister's in Spruce Grove. I stayed alone. We're talking about Christmas. We're talking about the holidays. I stayed alone, even though I could have gone. So how do they feel about Matt's trip to Saskatchewan? We've got a ton more, don't we, Sam? Why don't we get to more? We want you to have your voice heard, Alberta. I mean, it's, you know, thousands of people are going to see this and hear this. And the most important one is Jason Kenney. Let the premier hear you roar. You know, Dr. Amy Tan there says that, you know, the other rage on my Twitter feed. You remember Dr. Tan talked to us a couple of weeks ago. She's that uh, palliative care physician and a family physician that actually is, she is one of the doctors that picked up her practice and moved she oh, went to victoria that wasn't actually happening what do you mean oh, i thought according to the government doctors are oh yeah no yeah. no it's not happening it's, yeah. it's not happening except for the ones that are doing it yeah. <laughs> except for the ones like dr town that came on the show to talk to us about why she left and so here's what she had to say i mean she was going through the same exercise sam that you and i were which was taking a look at our timelines the utter rage she says on my twitter feed is is palpable by my Alberta friends and colleagues, a slap in the face for all of us who have and are still sacrificing by following the rules and those on the front lines of healthcare and society, an utter lack of integrity and moral leadership by Jason Kenney and his UCP government. Jeff says, what I fear now, Jeff nails it. Political leaders have been caught now traveling out of countries that thousands of Canadians will say, screw it, and they'll take it as license to do whatever they want. Jeff says we have to keep fighting our way out of this and it's going to be harder now. And he's right. How about Gemma? Single mom of two, public health nurse. Thank you, Gemma. At the start of a 24-day isolation period. Why is that? Because one kid has COVID and they don't. So it's the 10-day isolation plus the 14-day monitoring period. She says small two-bedroom house. But so happy to hear about United Conservative staffers on their tropical vacations while I literally am trying to stay sane right now. That from Gemma. Jason says Canada will have to close its borders to prevent the global spread of UCP cabinet ministers. (laughs) That's amazing. And how fucking entitled are you when your apology for completely dropping the ball during a pandemic leads with privilege like we holidayed in Hawaii for 17 years? That family tradition line will haunt Tracy Allard for years. Jody says, oh, yeah, don't worry, Ryan. It's okay. It's safer to travel by plane than go to the local grocery store, apparently. She says, that was news to me. Me too. How about Britt? Britt says, hands up if you didn't even consider 
going abroad for Christmas. Like you didn't check flights. You didn't check hotel availability. You never went further than wistfully checking the weather in Hawaii before hunkering down in your own home like the government told you to. That from Brit. What about this? Remember when Albertans and, and Redford's, Allison Redford's Sky Palace made her entitled and then she wasn't premier anymore? Surely the entitlement on full display by the United Conservatives will have some significant blowback. Please tell me some right wingers have had their blinders taken off by now. And then I only know her as Stifler's mom, but I don't know her. You know what? You know, the worst part is, Sam, is I've interviewed her before and her name's escaping me. I feel terrible. She's actually a completely delightful actor in person. Um, I'm so mad. I can hear her saying it. How about this from Sean? This is how my parents saw their grandson this Christmas. But if we had gotten on a plane to Hawaii, it would be okay, apparently. Plus, we'd be saving WestJet. I'm so sick of the hypocrisy and the lack of leadership, says Sean. What about this? Listener says, uh, Ryan, I can't fly home. Uh, by the way, the, the, the name, their handle, on, not the handle, but their name on Twitter on vacation shouldn't be tweeting. How many of you is that the case for? How many of you, it doesn't even have to be on vacation. Off the record, you know, I mean, just like how many of you wanted to be present with your families on New Year's Day, except for your entire day was consumed with, as Samuel L. Jackson says in Pulp Fiction, with furious anger. This Real Talk viewer says, I can't fly home to see my 85-year-old, not overly healthy mom. She's in Newfoundland, and I've not even attempted to get around the rules or skirt them. I've honored the spirit of the bubble. But Minister Allard and the rest of them needed to have somebody explain to them what it was wrong to go. WTF, says that viewer. If you don't follow this person on Twitter, this is this is a must follow when it comes to uh, Canadian political commentary and satire and just brilliance. Uh, after appearing, these these are like satirical news headlines. After appearing more than an hour late for the press conference, he'd called Jason Kenney says Alberta's vaccination rates are low because Trudeau screwed up and delivered the vaccines early. That's it. That's the funny part. Goes on to say Doug Ford sent Jason Kenney a thank you card and I wanted to send a second tweet here i thought that this one was pretty funny too this one the next one following up kenny says he didn't make travel restrictions for his mlas clear and will be sure to include no recreational travel during a pandemic guys on notes when he packs their lunches for them let's take a look at the next one look at this look what you made me do says hellbent hi d look what you made me do i've become that person Says P.S. Real Talk may need to be eight hours on Monday. Well, we're, we're, we're coming in on an hour over time. Uh, as you see here, though, this is evidence that she sent emails to basically every elected politician she could think of, including the office of the premier. That, Sam, to me, this is what this is where this happens. I don't think Jason Kenney's uh, going to read his emails from you, Alberta. I don't think Jason Kenney gives a shit about what you say. But here's the beauty. You don't have to give a shit that Jason Kenney doesn't give a shit because guess what? You employ Jason Kenney. Without your support, Jason Kenney's not the premier of Alberta, right? So he's, he's not checking his inboxes. You've, you've seen the sneer. You've seen the snide face before. You know how he feels about all this. He doesn't take it seriously. He didn't take it seriously before Christmas. He doesn't take it seriously on January 1st when he talks to the province in probably his worst political performance of his career, and he won't take it seriously now. You know who will, though? Your MLA ministers, people that are worried about their own political futures, they will take your emails very seriously. 
So here we are. It's Monday. It's the first broadcast day for us of a new year. It's the beginning of your new year. Maybe you're turning a new page. Or maybe maybe you've got a plan for what this year is going to look like. And maybe it'll involve a little more political activism than you thought before because maybe you're feeling a fire burn in your belly now more than it ever has before. We're going to be talking in days and weeks to come about positive ways to channel that energy. We will have a platform here for you to have your say, to have your voice heard. And that starts with our Why Station question of the week. I want to remind you that we want to know what you think an adequate and meaningful response to this scandal would look like. You go to ryanjesperson.com and click on the question of the week right across the top bar. Now, we've got a couple brand new partners that we are thrilled to introduce you to today. And these are partners that have reached out to us and they said, we want to be builders We want to be real talk builders. We want to be part of this. We want to be part of what is quickly becoming Western Canada's most subscribed, most downloaded, most watched, most listened to talk show. And that includes the team. I'm very excited about this at Grand Dog Essentials. Quality raw food. I could stop it at this. They feed our dogs. And we've trusted them. We've trusted them for a long time. A family-owned company with two generations working together in the business with weekly raw dog food deliveries to Metro Edmonton, Calgary, and the Red Deer area. That's right. They've got a large chunk of this province's population covered. They deliver to your doorstep frozen in 40-pound boxes. I can describe this to a T because we receive these deliveries each and every week for our two dogs, our family members. The available options include beef, chicken, turkey, bison, or tripe. And get this, when you track them down at granddog.ca or find them on Instagram or Facebook at Grand Dog Essentials, and you're ordering online and you use the promo code, the discount code REALTALK, they're going to give you 10% off your first-time order. So use the promo code REALTALK again at Grand Dog Essentials on Facebook and Instagram and granddog.ca. And welcome to the team. We're thrilled to have you here. Say the same thing for Eden Landscaping. And here's the the deal. I know that some of you probably are saying what we learned in 2020 is that our yard, our home is our oasis. Maybe you didn't go on that trip to Hawaii. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be delicate here, Sam, because I'm not sure how much our advertisers want their spots to be political. They're they're probably perfectly fine with their debut advertisement on the show not being loaded with political commentary, but you never know. But maybe you didn't take that traditional family trip to Hawaii. Maybe you didn't go visit your sister in Las Vegas. Maybe you didn't go check in on your second property in Palm Desert. Maybe you stayed at home and you've got a little extra cash and you want to invest in your home oasis. Now is a perfect time to start planning so they can start construction on your dream yard as soon as this ground thaws. Go check out Eden Landscaping online. You can visit the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com, and we're thrilled to have their partnership. And we'll wrap today by giving a big shout-out to the team at Friesen Brothers as well. We're thrilled to have them with us on board for 2021. Friesen Brothers is looking ahead to a big year to come as they open up their 15th Alberta location. It's under construction. You're probably watching like I am. If you're in the Metro Edmonton region, anytime you're on the Henday, you're right around Rabbit Hill Road, and you're kind of looking, and you're seeing this, this unbelievable building under construction. It's going to open soon. 
And when it does, it will change the grocery game in Alberta's capital city. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Thank you to everybody that tuned in this morning. Uh, This has been a remarkable discussion, and this is just the beginning. We're just getting started, and I mean that in every single way. And we do it with your support, your correspondence, your real talk. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time at ryanjesperson.com. The gun on